downright un-American. No patriot. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. It's all about the money. Anti-American. They want the money. It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. Patriotism. Anti-American. They were like death. And un-American. 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 Treasonous. Period. Yeah, just why not? It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. They want the money. I'll tell you something. Anti-American. Un-American. I mean, they certainly didn't seem to love our country very much. Right, un-American. Welcome back to another episode of Un-American, the show about traitors, turncoats, and treasonous, where no fraud or grifter is safe. I am Brandon, and I am joined today by Franklin and Jim. How are you doing today, Frank? I am doing amazing, Brandon. I got a new computer. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> yeah awesome. Well, uh, new to me. New to you? Yeah, my, my brother got a much better gaming PC, so he gave me his old one, which at Very this nice. point is like four years out of date, but is still the... I'm about to fall into like the same thing. Right, and it's still like it's the quickest awesome. uh, machine I've ever had in my life. Like, I, I went and put more RAM in it. I like the... I have more... Like memory, more fucking uh, speed. My CPU, like everything, it's not top of the line, but it's top of the line for me. Free shit yeah. is the best I, shit. I'm gonna, I'm about to get one in like a very similar yeah, situation. So as such, I've been getting back into now that I can, because uh, I was like, we've been, ed- I've been editing laptop style for fucking yeah. two years. That's how I've been. It was doing a good it. laptop, but you can't really game on a laptop unless right. it's real beefy. So you, I've been getting you can, back but into, you'll kill it. Like yeah, I, I gamed on a right. laptop for a while, and I don't like. I had two of them, two separate, real expensive. Gaming laptops. Whenever I was in the army and took them to Afghanistan, so you know there's the dust problem as well as you know just overclocking a laptop. Where's the heat going? Yeah, it's destroying your GPU. That's actually yeah. the first thing when my my brother gave me his old system. He's like one of the three fans is out because it's so fucking beefy. So I had to go buy another fan, and then at least I that was your the, only expense. Yeah, I I got one with an LED light because the other one, it had lights that light up and it's all awesome looking. So I tried to get one with like the same color, but I could not figure out how to get that light. I'm already running into technical problems. <laughs> nice, <laughs> but I have been able to play a bunch of old games, which has been like awesome reliving my my childhood. I would say you probably cannot game on the same laptop you do a podcast on. Right, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I did, and you're gonna try. I've, I've if played you some have, games on my laptop. If you but... have a high-end gaming laptop, you can run just about anything. With my laptop too, though, if I did have a game installed, like I had Super Hot, which is a really great kind of short game for a while, but I like I would only install one game at a time because I just right. didn't have the the, especially with us like recording, yeah, see, we pull I, in gigabytes of raw stems a week that we mis- need to edit. Yeah, I make the mistake of buying too many games at once and like. Taking years to finish them. That's actually I, so like I, 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 I have I Zelda got, Breath of the Wild yeah, on yeah. Switch, and it I've had it for I think it's three months now. I'm only on like the second area, and, and Steam I, is I'm so ADD. Steam is the same way. You know, they offer so many bundles, and then you get the hum, the humble bundle. So what ends up happening is that you get like 20 games. For like 40, 60 bucks, and then you play the three you want, and the rest of them just sit there like, well, I've downloaded them, but I haven't touched them yet. Yeah. And it also takes like hours to download each one. So I'm just, My, yeah, mine just is not actually wait. like I because well also I don't have a uh, I'm hardwired in just so I don't have to deal yeah. with the Wi-Fi problem. Yeah, fair enough. How are you doing, Frank? Jim? Yeah. <laughs> the other guy. I, I know how Frank's doing. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty good. I got a promotion at work, so nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, it's worth a ding. Li life leveling up. But not my computer. <laughs> no, I see where. Yeah, I see where life priorities leveling up. are. Ne yeah. Needed that win after uh, this whole Afghanistan schmagiggery. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you uh, it's also got to be a good post sickness, like everyone getting over sickness in your house, yeah, and then and getting uh, that that leads me to my next point. I'm a month closer to seeing my primary care, finally, so I can get something done about these sinuses. Nice. Because, like, you know, I had a sinus infection, what, mm, two and a half weeks ago? Recovered from it two and a half weeks ago? I'm still, like, dealing with, like, yeah. stuffy nose and crap because it just doesn't go away. You have a yeah. perpetual, it's like a year-long thing. Yeah, I know. You have you have like, less good weeks than <laughs> Yeah, than like playing hockey yesterday. Weeks. Yeah. I was, like, constantly having to hawk and spit because, like, and, and it just would never go away. Like, I... Like somewhere between my nasal cavity and the back of my throat was always some form of clog, Ugh. which sucks playing sports. Yeah, it's that's, terrible. That's no fun. I I have really bad sinuses too. That has nothing to do with my uh, moment for the episode, though. Um, I'm also doing well, and it's totally nerd related. You guys know that I'm uh, wrestling nerd. You don't have to look very far yeah. to figure that out. <laughs> Those are all brand new toys over there, staged. Uh, oh, I honestly didn't notice. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll point yeah, them out it's, though. It's I'm the that much of a nerd. The latest and greatest stinger. He's got gray hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> true. Um, but those are not; th those are only part of it. My my silver lining was going to be that CM Punk returned to to AEW, um, the the WWE rival company. But now, what the uh, what the moment is going to be instead is that not only did CM Punk return, but Adam Cole, baby, from WWE, uh, signed with AEW, and so did. Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan in WWE. If you're not a wrestling nerd, you don't give a shit about any of those like, names, but I am the so same, happy. The same thing that happened with WCW and the WWF. Oh, yes. yeah. Like, is this, yeah. is this what's happening right now? Basically. Where, like, but AEW the roles are is being, taking over? Yeah, and but, buying up all the good talent and, and the storylines. But and, the, and, yeah. you know what? The good. roles are reversed. Good, because fuck Vince McMahon. Yeah, right. 100%. Right. That gets dinged, too. Um, <laughs> How do you have two, two XFLs go under? That's not. <laughs> right. How the fuck? If he wasn't so old and senile, I truly believe that he could be winning. He has the money to to win that that uh, figurative war. I don't know if it's actually. It a would be war a war yet, of but, attrition, but he just has the means to wear them down. Yeah, right? he does. But I mean, they're just they they're actually putting on a very entertaining product. Um, well, like I and and I feel like they have all the young and up and coming stars, whereas like WWE has everybody that's about to retire if they haven't retired already. They also have. Uh, it's just WWE has has been a company that has existed alone in this industry for so long that everything like they allowed them themselves to get into this formula that became stale. And for them, it doesn't matter because WWE is going to make money to spite themselves. Like that's kind of like they're going to sell toys to kids. They're going to make yeah. tons of money. They're going to sell games, whatever. It doesn't matter if they have a good product or not, because like, People, there are enough 2K people to 20, buy it. Two K twenty proves that. Yeah, dude, I got fucked on that. Like I pre-ordered <laughs> that shit, and and I still want my money back, and I still will not buy a two K game because unplayable of, it was unplayable. Well, they didn't have one this year because hey, of e that, right? EA, yeah, EA is the same way. Sports games are not good right now, uh, with the was... exception of MLB The Show, because it's a completely different company. That's right. all they make is MLB the show. There's a, there's a problem, which is why I don't play many sports games, of, like, you do not need a sports game every year. 
You do not True. like. You can make the argument that you want to update like the rules and everything, but this could also be that like, could be really, online yeah, stuff. But that's be, also it like, yeah, yeah. It could just people, be an update. Yeah, people are still playing Skyrim. That fucking game came out in 2011. Right, it's ten years oh, old, and it's yeah. still very active. Yeah, like, but you can take there's your time. Two ends of that coin. Like same thing with GTA Five. You know that came out in what 2012. Around the same time yeah, as Skyrim. So, yeah. So yeah. it's a nine-year-old game, and all they're doing is updating it. Still as popular as ever. But they should probably release something new. Like, well, it, it, and I, they're, I, they're I, working you, hit, you hit a point where like you just keep on recycling the same thing. You become hey, that dick. I will tell you, I am that dick right now who's replaying games from fucking 2004 and I'm getting in my <laughs> grandpa mode of, like, they haven't gotten better since 2004. True. <laughs> um. All right, so, uh, yeah, we got that out of the way. We're going to talk Afghanistan again. No um, more fun. No more fun. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to say that if you like the show and you want to support what we're doing, you can head, o- head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash unamerican and become a Patreon patriot today. Bonus content is available there as well as merch and all kinds of cool stuff. And, of course, we greatly appreciate your support of the show. Um, so, do uh, you know how you can see based on the amount of shit that you have in packets in front of you? Um, pretty, I, I, pretty I didn't know. Stack I, of I papers. thought we were running a podcast. I showed up to a book club. Yeah, I, Brandon, I, I had not Brandon done the reading. killed a whole tree to get this show produced. Yeah, and you know what? I ran out of ink halfway through and had Son to do it bitch. again. Dude, dude <laughs> so, we need to did you have you... <laughs> Did you have flashbacks to the Miller Report? Oh, God my God. I'm going to teach you. It's horrible. We're going to set up a private Discord or something so we don't have to do this every week. Dude, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, this Google chats hangout going. This one, this one stressed me out a little bit, and I think it's probably going to stress you both out. Uh, Jim, maybe especially, because we're going to talk about Afghanistan, um, and we're going to go through the years that you were there. Um, so, uh, but man, this, we're going to, we're not going to start far from where we left off. Uh, at the end of the last episode, uh, we were in October of 2004 when the, um, commission or whatever came out and they had, uh, a Senate hearing and basically the people who were, uh, part of the 9-11 commission, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, don't have it right in front of me, um, but he, uh, had, was was giving the hearing and, and basically saying no WMDs in Iraq, right? Um, for the majority, we're going to talk a little bit of Iraq in, in this episode. We're mostly going to focus on Afghanistan, um, but we're going to start not far off um, just a couple of weeks later. Before we get into the substance, let me offer up another Freudian slip. No one should underestimate the difficulties ahead. Nor should they overlook the advantages we bring to this fight. Some observers look at the job ahead and adopt a self-defeating pessimism. It's not justified. With every random bombing and every funeral of a child, it becomes more clear that the extremists are not patriots or resistance fighters. They are murderers at war with the Iraqi people themselves. All right. So, okay. So this is—he's trying to justify Iraq in that. He's in that. He's okay. trying to justify Iraq for our purposes. You could probably just ignore that he's talking about Iraq, and that sentence is gonna or that idea is gonna become kind of ironic throughout the course of this episode. That's a really good point because when we talk about like it started with Iraq, but it also started with their 
authorizing military force without Congress congressional it, approval. They, it really applied it to anywhere they wanted to go. Yeah. And it also applied it specifically to anybody that was related in any way to anybody who harbored or planned 9-11. Well, and Bush... Which is a pretty big group when you're talking about a uh, region of freedom fighters. Al-Qaeda and related forces. Yeah. And and, Al-Qaeda has their finger into every single one of And that related forces, like, everyone's related at a certain point when you... Well, I mean, if you... If you use a loose enough definition... You don't have to go far. I didn't pull it for the episode, um, but I did... I was going through clips earlier... um, or, or going through videos earlier where George Bush was sitting there talking about Iran. Like, well, we're not going to let Iran have uh, enriched uranium and whatever. And, like, it just it, – they they painted with such a broad fucking over – like, just this huge encompassing brush uh, that it was just pretty much anywhere in the Middle East we want to go – and well, maybe even Africa, to, to some argument, yeah, anywhere we want to go. So I mean it, – Anywhere that has – Terrorist, to and and like, which is a very loosely defined term. Yeah, yeah since every country has terrorists, because it's the, well, glo- every, the global other war look on at, terrorism. Every right. other country can look at what we do as terrorism. We'll get into later, what which our, is why that Freudian slip's going to become yeah. when a little said, ironic. I thought he was talking about bit. the U.S. when he was talking about like with every random bombing, and I was like, "Is that your strategy, George?" <laughs> yeah. And then when he's like, "Oh, the enemy," I was like, "Okay, just, thank God." Because that's just wait until we get drones. Yeah. Kind of becomes his strategy. Yeah. After we uh, get into the Obama years in a little bit, I will. We'll pause in there, um, and we'll talk about drones a little bit, and we'll talk about some of their targets, frequent targets, and like, yeah, don't maybe don't bring up the uh, the, the with every random attack. Like, man, yeah. you, you got to have precise weaponry if you're mm-hmm. going to make those claims. Um, so anyway, let's start. So a couple of weeks after um, we left off, that 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 uh, Senate hearing about the WMDs not being in Iraq took place on, I believe it was October 17th, 2004. We're going to jump now to October 29th, 2004, which is a kind of it, – it, the date is – uh, notable because it is only four days, five days uh, before the election of 2004, uh, where George Bush would go against uh, John Kerry. And one of the big arguments uh, that, that the Bush campaign made is that you can't switch a president in war times. He's that a wartime <laughs> president. I know. Uh, we I, had, I had elderly relatives tell me that because mm-hmm. uh, I could not vote in 2004 because I was not old enough. Yeah. And I was pissed that they were wasting their vote on Bush. And that was the line they said to me, like, well, the terrorists will think they won if we switch presidents. Yeah, the, the terrorists don't care. Not not with John Kerry. I mean, it virtually would have been the same thing. It really would have flavor. been. Yeah. yeah, different flavor. Um, interestingly, though, on uh, October 29th, 2004, five days ahead of the presidential election, bin Laden surfaces in the form of a tape on the Internet signaling uh, the, the this also comes from crf.org we're going to be using a lot of the timeline stuff that we talk about um until we start diving deeper into topics specific (laughs) topics i pulled some other sources for those but i think that crf.org did a really good job with this timeline so a lot of uh when you hear me give dates and stuff like that like that's all it's all going to be coming from the same article um signaling the persistent persistent changes facing the U.S.-led coalition on, in Afghanistan, Osama bin Laden releases a videotaped message 
three weeks after the country's presidential election, Afghanistan's, um, and just days before U.S. polls in which George W. Bush will win re-election. Um, in remarks aired on the Arab television network Al Jazeera, bin Laden taunts Bush, the Bush administration, and takes responsibility for the attacks on September 11, 2001. Um, quote, we want to restore freedom to our nation just as you lay waste to our nation, bin Laden says. Um, With that statement and the fact that that videotape was released right then, I would argue to say that that one Bush the elect the reelection, possibly because it yeah, was al- yeah. it was almost like like a reaffirmation like this is why we're Didn't, here. But Bush also Bush also won pretty soundly against like it, Kerry. I don't know. That I think he was going to win. And I candidate. do believe, yeah, if I remember correctly, because I was doing research on this too, I do believe that the Al Jazeera was the one who got that tape and aired it. Right. And yeah. I do believe the U.S. government actually tried to stop the airing of that tape, or at least it was alleged by Al Jazeera. It, they definitely Why? they definitely did. Because they were trying to stop any him getting any message out to the people. Like, there was very much this like control of information with the Bush administration. It, it is true that they tried to stop well, it. I mean, yeah, you, I do remember that. But, like, how does this not play into Bush's favor? It should, right? But I think that there was, like, this fear after the we were so fucking vulnerable and we just went along with there's a lot of shit that we just went along with if you go back yeah one of the things i don't when was the patriot act patriot uh, act was yeah. october 26th uh 2000 2001 yeah that's right after 9 11 yeah. that's what i was that that's where my hesitation came we were all I, wrong. yeah it was really fast the patriot act and it was we and yeah, we so were we were pitched we have to get freedoms for the for the better for the common good which like to so, the thing that I think is so funny, and this is not a tangent I want to get on, but like it's appropriate in present day because when we talk about vaccines, people talk about rights and shit. Yeah. Um, the same people yelling about masks and mask and mask. Uh, they were all on board. For they the were Patriot all, the Act. Patriot yeah. Act. We just got to <laughs> give up some freedoms to be Pre- safe. I mean, <laughs> like, the, the name Patriot was in the bill. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think why the, wouldn't they have voted for but it? But it was one of those things where we were like, we were so vulnerable uh, yeah, that that we just like well, kind of went along. We believed that like that, every everything that America does since ever is an overcorrection. So mm-hmm. it's no surprise. There was I, I'm not a fan of Michael Moore's uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. I was when I was young, uh, but I've watched it recently when I was going through this shit, the Afghanistan shit. Not a fan of the movie anymore. Do not like how it was uh, th- how it was done. Edited well. I don't like his path. Anyway, one of the things I do like that he does in the movie is there's this montage where it's a bunch of news stories popping up about where could be the next site of attack. And, like, there's literally, like, small farm towns in Wisconsin that are like, well, we have a Walmart, so they might attack a Walmart. I, I forgot about all that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we were a vulnerable people that were just like we needed a leader um and they kind of exploited that the bush administration very much exploited the the the, the nation uh, in crisis yeah or in trauma yeah like we were all dealing with a very serious yeah psychological wound and yeah yeah and, and yeah yeah and we were taken advantage of there's no other way to like, no to, not yeah, yeah there, there's there's no other way yeah, every, everybody is vulnerable to a grift 
at any point in their life. Bush would uh, go on to win that election, obviously. Um, and then in on May 23rd of 2005, um, he and Afghan President Ahmed Karzai um, kind of they, they held this press conference um, in which they agreed to be strategic partners in the Afghanistan region, which like, duh. Karzai was was appointed he by us. He didn't first. really have a choice. Yeah. He, like he worked yeah. for he, an, he worked for an oil company in Texas prior to us appointing him prior to the election <laughs> that he won. So like, come on, like I love uh, they look at him and they're like, "That sound good to you?" And like, he's like, "What? I'm not even paying attention." We, we've got a we've got a partner <laughs> in the region. <laughs> we got a partner in the region. It's us. I was like, no shit. He's sitting in the corner with dark sunglasses on. Yeah. Doesn't care. Hung over. <laughs> so a little bit about that press con. Press conference. Um, Afghanistan President Abu Karzai and United States President George W. Bush issue a joint declaration that pronounced their respective countries strategic partners. Uh, the declaration gives the U.S. forces access to it to Afghan military facilities to prosecute quote the war against international terror and the struggle against violent extremism. End quote. The alliance goal. The agreement says is to, quote, strengthen U.S.-Afghan ties and help ensure Afghanistan's long-term security, democracy, and prosperity, uh, end quote. Moreover, the agreement calls for Washington to, quote, help organize, train, equip, and sustain Afghan security forces as Afghanistan develops the capacity to undertake this responsibility, end quote, and to continue to rebuild the country's economy and political democracy. Um... 16 years later yeah you're gonna have a few of those moments uh throughout the course of this uh because lots of lots of people obama man, told us that, it was over like man, everybody that really told, lasted yeah everyone told us it was over also that it would be over <laughs> because they were taking a different approach they had yeah. learned the mistakes of the past we mm-hmm. weren't going to do the same things yeah well full of shit the the thing is we all we're living in 2021 so we know the end result um, one of the things I did th- find interesting about that press conference, though, when, uh, it was actually not about the Afghanistan agreement um, at all. George Bush has asked a question that he seems uncomfortable answering and has kind of a... a Is it how to pronounce nuclear? It's not how to pronounce <laughs> nuclear. Um, but Wait a minute. Did I say it the George Bush way? I, you did. You did. Uh, that was intentional. I didn't do that accidentally like an idiot like him. <laughs> um, w- one of the bigger topics I think that we need to talk about in general uh, came up at that pro- press conference. So we'll listen to this clip first, and then we'll kind of get into – we'll get off on a big topic of the Afghanistan war that I think that w- needs to be addressed. Our policy, as you know, has been to work our way through those who are being held in Guantanamo and send them back to the host countries, and we will uh, – uh, do so over time with the uh, Afghan government. Part of the issue is to make sure there's a place where the prisoners can be held. As I explained to the president, that our policy is one where we want the people to be sent home, but two, we've got to make sure their facilities are there, facilities where these uh, people can be um, housed and uh, fed and guarded. I like the idea that George Bush, based on what I know, happened at Guantanamo Bay. I like the idea that he's pitching this. Is this is like, we just want to make sure they're fed and they have like nice pillows. It's the Marjorie Taylor this Green was him. thing of like, the lobby wasn't painted well. I could, I could hear the nervousness in his voice and that's because he's trying to tap dance around the question of us holding people without uh, giving them access to a lawyer or a fair trial yeah. or uh, any semblance like, of justice. 
sending sending them to Martha Stewart's prison. Right. So let me. Uh, I'll read just a short paragraph, real quick. Um, this this is about Guantanamo Bay. It's from Britannica.com. Um, and then we'll listen to another clip before we get into this topic. But Guantanamo Bay detention camp, also called Gitmo, uh, U.S. detention facility on the gra- on the Guantanamo Bay naval base, located on the coast of Guantanamo Bay in southern in southeastern Cuba, uh, constructed in stages starting in 2002. Uh, the Guantanamo Bay detention camp, often called Gitmo, which is also a name for the naval base, was used to house the to house Muslim militants and suspected terrorists captured by U.S. forces in Afghanistan, Iraq, and elsewhere. Um, the facility became fo- the focus of a worldwide controversy over alleged violations of legal rights and uh, of the detainees under the Geneva Conventions and accusations of torture or abusive treatment of detainees by U.S. authorities. Um, so I don't even know. Accusations of torture is pretty strong. I think it's pretty much conclusively proven that they tortured prisoners yeah um we will talk about some of the enhanced Tor- uh, torture aside are we getting I into the have... barney theme do we what the, do you remember when the when the barney theme was used to torture people oh, no, God. i they don't would play the they would play the barney theme so you know the barney theme over, yeah, over, yeah. And over, over, yeah over and over and over you're on a asking speaker. a person with a four and a three-year-old yes i am I, yes. so you I know remember. what that song does to you after <laughs> repeat plays yeah torture aside i have no problems with holding terrorist captive with like none of our legal rights because they're not our citizens and they committed crimes against us that's well, fine they need to, at that point after you're a saying while, we without over, the though. torture right yeah, the, yeah. without the torture cool. well and i would say that they Stay also probably forever. needed to be turned like like what we did with when we catch high ranking officials we need to turn them over to the government and let them try them you know like for us to if if the u.s government is gonna well, like pass are you saying giving him back to their own government? No, well, like if if we've set well, it'd be more likely we set up a public puppet government and then we make them put someone on trial. Yeah, I like mean, it with, would have been the same exact thing as a kangaroo court if you do it that way. I mean, it it, it is, but I feel better. <laughs> I feel better with the semblance of law rather than and, <laughs> than no law, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, who cares? Because eventually, a president's going to come along, make a deal for. I'll the give you the Eisenhower answer. The, there is no law and war. <laughs> yes. So let me keep reading from this, I guess. Uh, in early 2002, the camp began receiving suspected members of Al-Qaeda, the terrorist organization responsible for the September 11th, 2001 attacks, and fighters for the Taliban, the Islamic the Islamic fundamentalist faction that had ruled Afghanistan and harbored Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden and his followers. Eventually, hundreds of prisoners from several countries were held at the camp without charge and without legal means to challenge their detentions. The administration of Republican George W. Bush maintained that it was neither obliged to grant basic constitutional protections to the prisoners since the since the base was outside U.S. territory, nor required to observe the Geneva Conventions regarding the treatment of prisoners of war and civilians during wartime, as the conventions did not apply to, quote, unlawful enemy combatants. That, what do they, what do that they think? is where, full stop, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. We can't do this. What do you think, Um, if you're in a war and someone's shooting at you, would you not label that person an unlawful enemy combatant? Like, since, since when what does, that term does mean? the Geneva Conventions not apply to POWs? Right. Yeah, no shit. Or to anybody, yeah. You, you just straight up can't do this. No, no. And it's going to be ironic not in only a second that, when I tell you that that's that, a vague, unlawful, but like, tor- oh, exactly. torture doesn't work. Because if they don't know anything, 
and you torture them to the point where they finally well, hit the uncle button, they're just going to tell you a bunch of bullshit yeah. that and here's doesn't the, even mean anything. And here's the big problem. The term unlawful enemy combatants preposes that there are lawful enemy combatants. Right. That, right. Which is just a, a ridiculous term on the face of it. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good if observation. If they're a combatant, they're unlawful yeah. by the very definition. Uh, Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to be at war or, uh, with them. Yeah, we wouldn't be combating them. <laughs> Uh, in 2006, Jesus. the Supreme Court declared that the system of military commissions that was used to try selected prisoners held at Guantanamo Bay was in violation of the Geneva Conventions and Uniform Code of Military Justice. The legality of the commissions was restored in 2006 by the Military Commission Act, which was also denied in the federal court's jurisdiction to hear a habeas corpus petitions on behalf of foreign detainees. In 2008, however, the court overturned the latter provision of the law, ruling in uh, Bolmedine v. Bush that foreign detainees did have the right to challenge their detentions in the federal courts. Despite the court's decision, several prisoners who had been cleared for release in other countries or for, tra- or for transfer to their home countries continued to be detained, either because no country would accept them or because their home countries were deemed too volatile to guarantee their secure imprisonment. Um, so that go- takes us a little bit past where we are at in the timeline right now, but it's going to become kind of uh, important in just a second. Um, one thing that I do think is interesting still while we're in this uh, May 2005 um, press conference, the, the, the Karzai and Bush meeting, uh, is that Karzai wants to ensure... Um, I don't know if he's ensuring. I don't know. It, this feels like a Trumpian moment to me. Uh, like it feels like somebody just trying to kiss Bush's ass. Um, j- probably just because he's like kind of a puppet gover- governor. Um, but but I thought that this his answer to uh, the Gitmo at accusations was kind of interesting too. So the prisoner abuse thing is not at all a thing that we. Uh, attribute to to um, anybody else but those individuals. The Afghan people are grateful very, very much to the American people and recognize that individual acts do not reflect either on governments or on societies. These things happen everywhere. As we are sad, we recognize that the American people, kind as they are to Afghanistan, have nothing to do with that. So Karzai wants to make sure that you know that, like, it's not your fault, America. Torture. And which, like, as Americans, it's not our fault, but it is our fucking government's fault when people are being tortured. Well, that, falls um, on, that certainly falls on us. So we allow that to happen. Back back to what I said uh, prior to this clip, uh, that torture doesn't work. We didn't really, like, realize that until after we were, you know, torturing people a lot. Yeah, and getting but we and, were, and getting a bunch of bullshit intelligence. But they were getting because like y- y- they claimed they got all this intelligence from it, and we went and checked up on it. And it was a bunch of false crap. Yeah, yeah, no, they didn't get anything from it. And like so, even if you're torturing someone to the point of death, like if they like I like I said, they don't know anything. They're just gonna tell you whatever to make it stop and make the death a little bit quicker. And there, I'm was, not saying that we tortured people to death. There was probably a few of those. I think there it, was based on what let, I. Could, let's be real. It's a naval base. You can just. You know, take them out to sea and dump them overboard. Yeah, there was, uh, there were a lot of suicides that the U.S. government oh, had written down. Suicides. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna. These are uh, religious fundamentalists. Yeah. They, the only suicide they did was to take Americans out as well. Yeah. It just it. 
I don't know. But I can't, I cannot get past the torture thing. I can't, like, I can't at all justify, like, no, because here's the thing. We would make the argument that, like, somebody like Ashi Babbitt or whoever, Ashley Babbitt or whatever, the chick who was, who got shot at the Capitol. Yeah. Um, January 6th. Yeah. We would make an argument that, like, oh, poor her because she was indoctrinized and she, like, okay. So then if you can make that argument for her. All right, fair. You would have to be able to make that argument for somebody across the world who you've been told is your enemy. And, yeah. Especially if they're youth. Yeah. Those kids absolutely got indoctrinated. And and, and little Afghan boys absolutely got indoctrinated into this. Yeah. One of the things, it didn't make the the show, but... uh, a lot of some of the shit that I was like sifting through was like child suicide bombers and shit. Like and out, I didn't realize how our, much that was a thing. Uh, outside of our 52 card deck that we had for all the leaders, like the vast majority of all these people have just like, they get indoctrinated into it like yeah. from birth. Um, I'm going to finish this last little excerpt from Britannica. Uh, the camp was repeatedly condemned by international human rights and humanitarian organi- organizations, including Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and the Organ and the International Committee of the Red Cross, as well as the European Union and the Organization of American States, uh, for alleged human rights violations, including the use of various forms of torture during the interrogation. In response to such criticism, the Bush administration generally insisted that detainees were well cared for and that none of the quote, enhanced interrogation techniques employed on some of the prisoners were torturous. Uh, In 2009, however, the U.S. official in charge of military commissions at Guantanamo declared that the detainee suspected as uh, would-be hijacker in the as a would-be hijacker in the September 11th attacks, could not be prosecuted because he had been tortured. Additionally, according to U.S. officials, the use of such techniques had, in many cases, e.g. the interrogation of uh, Khalid Sahih Mohammed, the alleged mastermind of the September 11th plot, yielded valuable intelligence on leadership methods and plans of al-Qaeda and other terrorist organizations, which later turned out to be... Not true. That's what the Bush administration was in, was uh, alleging, though, uh, in response. So, Frank, do you want to read some of these in, enhanced interrogation methods? Uh, this is from Wikipedia. Um, so there's several sources that come with this. Um, but really, that first paragraph is, is the most important one. So if you just want to take that. Sure. Um, enhanced interrogation techniques or enhanced interrogation is the euphemism for the program of systematic torture of detainees by the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, and various components of the U.S. Armed Forces at remote sites around the world, including Bagram, uh, Guantanamo Bay, uh, Abu Abu Jarib. and uh, Bucharest, authorized by officials of the George W. Bush administration. Methods used include beating, uh, binding, and controlled, uh, contorted stress positions, hooding, subjecting to deafening noise, sleep uh, disruption, sleep deprivation to the point of hallucination, depri- uh, deprivation of food, drink, and medical care for wounds, as well as waterboarding, walling, sexual humiliation, subjection to heat, uh, extreme heat and extreme cold, and confine them in, in small coffin-like boxes. 
God damn. Um, a Guantanamo inmate's drawings of some of these tortures to which he himself was subjected were published in the New York Times. Some of those techniques fall under the category uh, known as white torture. I don't know. What is white torture? White torture is putting somebody in a completely white, white room, room so that you, they have no, like, no it's, sem- sensory, yeah, yeah. It's sensory deprivation. It, sounds, it sounded racist, which I'm sure it started that way. <laughs> <laughs> Several detainees endured medically unnecessary rectal hydration, rehydration, rectal fluid resuscitation, and rectal feeding. In addition to brutalizing de- de- detainees, there were threats to their families. Uh, such as threats to harm uh, children and threats to sexually abuse or to cut the throats of the detainees' mothers. Yeah. So that's not good stuff. That's. I mean, it all sounds very CIA-like. Yeah. It doesn't sound like... Uh, what's, what's sad is that's probably what the CIA had been doing for decades. I mean, at, that, some, you know, at some point, every American comes to grips with the fact that the CIA is full of a bunch of just straight-up bastards. It's KGB, right? I mean, it's not any different. Right. Yeah. It's a different flag they serve. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that shit's hard to read. One of the things that is uh, a little bit ridiculous, um, George Bush, I want to stick to the Gitmo thing for a while, or for a minute, um, because I think it was such a big, like, it was one of the, not the first, it was one of the many uh, controversies of the Bush administration's handling of the Iraq-Afghanistan war. Um, Bush, in a interview on September 15th, 2006, uh, just a couple of months later, is asked again about um, Guantanamo Bay. And this is... You're going to want to yell at him before he's done talking. So just understand that. What do you say to the argument that your proposal is basically seeking support for torture, coerced evidence, and secret hearings? And Senator McCain says your plan will put U.S. troops at risk. What, what, what do you think about that? This debate is occurring because of uh, the Supreme Court's ruling that said that uh, we must conduct ourselves under the common Article Three of the Geneva Convention. And that common Article 3 says that you know, there will be no outrages upon human dignity. It's, 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 like, it's very vague. What does that mean? Outrages upon human dignity. That's a statement that uh, is wide open to interpretation. And what I'm proposing is that there be clarity in the law so that our professionals will have no doubt that that which they're doing is legal. Uh, you know, it's a... Uh, and so the piece of legislation I sent up there provides our professionals that which is needed to go forward. The first question that we've got to ask is, do we need the program? I, I believe we do need the program. And I detailed in a speech in the East Room what the program is yielding. There's the kind of information we get when we... Uh, interrogate people within the law. You see, sometimes you can pick up information on the battlefield, sometimes you can pick it up you know, through letters, but sometimes you actually have to question the people who know the strategy and plans of the enemy. Yeah, except torture is not questioning, as we have already discussed. Doesn't it, work. It doesn't work. Uh, I'm sure it works in some cases. It's not oh, a... It's, a 
it's it, it is a not small a number, though. yeah it's not worth it especially but the fact like, that all you're doing is making more combatants and if, giving and the enemy going, more of a reason to fight if you're going to act on all of it as if it's sound intelligence like being that the the odds of it being actually correct are probably lower than 10% so your incorrect intelligence out of this torture method all these torture methods torture methods would be above 90 if you're going to go create missions off of that like you're going to get people killed a lot like right, walking right. into because like prisoners that are being tortured like quite often have the understanding that they're either going to die in that holding facility or just be so badly beaten that their existence sucks anyway so they'll just like as a big f you to the torturers just like give them bullcrap information that leads them into an ambush right right well and also what you're encouraging that what you're encouraging the enemy to do is to make sure that they fracture their organization in such a way that even if you catch one person or even a couple people you can't take out the entire that no one knows the entire piece all it does is make them be more careful like it also i have an issue with aside from the torture one of the issues that i have with guantanamo bay is and you can push back if you don't agree but i do i don't like i get the point of if you fought against us and we captured you you fought against us and you're a prisoner of war and like stay in guantanamo bay but you should be charged with something, right? Like the fact that we're holding people without charge, like well, that's that's what you are—is you're a prisoner of war. That's the charge. Okay, so then, so but prisoners of war traditionally, in well, this so that like, sense, are offered let, certain. Let's think about it, and as an American perspective, how we felt about POWs in Vietnam, specifically on like the the case of John McCain where he was there forever and subjected to all sorts of torture. Like, we don't want that happen to our guys. Right. We don't want that happening to our guys. Why would we subject others to that? Right. You can, it's hard to play the good guy if you're doing the same thing exactly. as the bad guy. It's super right. hypocritical. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. I think that's my biggest issue. At the very, all, at the very so least. Like, just, like, just send him to Gitmo. Gitmo in itself sucks. Yeah. Just send him there. Yeah. You don't have to do any of this torture. Which is, yeah, because we're already denying them, like, a, a trial, a lawyer, you know, access to talk to, uh, talk to like, yeah. you know, like, reporters. Beating them is just for fun. You, you, yeah. can, for, you for, can ask any well, long-term, that's also that, any long-term inmate here in the United States. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and I don't know like about just, just subject them to that. You were over there, Jim. So I'm, I might be, I might be speaking on my ass. But when, when I think about the pictures from, uh, uh was Abu Ghraib? Uh, where, where was the picture? The women, woman pointing at the, the pyramid of naked guys. Was that Guantanamo or was that no? That, no, that was in that was in uh, Afghanistan I, or, or Iraq. Iraq. I think, I it, was think Iraq. it was Iraq. But like when I think of that, like the reason I think stuff like that happens is because there is a bread, and it's probably hard when when people are shooting at you not to have an us versus them mentality. Well, yeah, that and it's just preached, right? Yeah, you, you learn you learn that, and it's not it's not necessarily like it's not like a, a training technique. They don't train like nobody trains you to think that way. At least from my experience, nobody trained me to think that way. It's just like veteran experience to soldiers that haven't deployed. And it just kind of trickles down. Like, everybody gets the same mindset after years of being at war. Right. It's a, probably a survival mind. It's probably very helpful just to survive in well, yeah, a war-like experience. Yeah. Y- you look at them in a less-than-human sense. Right. Okay. Hold on. How much did torture extend? I remember the blowback being pretty big, but not big enough, obviously, to... Because it, 
And it, it, it happened well, after I mean, he got reelected, right? Right after. Uh, so it wasn't going to cost him an election. There were talks of it. Like, there were rumbles of the... the and Guantanamo uh, happened before, because they were building in 2002. They were building it. Yeah, Halliburton was building that shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, imagine They got that, that fucking... Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wonder how that could happen. But, but so, like, it wasn't going to cost him the election, but to... In my mind, it didn't cost him anything, right? The to- like, I'm Not sure his really. approval rating went down, but, like, no one got impeached. No one got fired. I mean, maybe someone, like, whoever was in charge of that prison probably got a talking to or fired. But they passed the buck, essentially. Right. You know, no one in the administration who signed off on that policy ever had to deal with that policy in a way that was, you know... No, and... Real. Uh, yeah, no. And, well, we can talk about in a little bit where when Obama uh, started talking about Guantanamo as well. Um, Before Uh. that, though, I do want to get into uh, for the rest, basically for the rest of the Bush administration. At that point, we're in September of 2006 for the, for the next two years. um, There's a resurgence of the Taliban in parts of Afghanistan. Um, They are, the Taliban is now an insurgent group, not a, uh, like not an organized like governmental like whatever like now they're uh they're, it's guerrilla warfare and there are tons okay, of suicide yeah. bombings and yeah I see what you're saying now that that, that be, before we got there they were governmental and after they were insurgents right and they ran kind of like the GOP today because <laughs> they go. they've ever, ever since we got there and disrupt, disrupted everything they were doing it's been an insurgency right like up until right. up until we us leaving it was an insurgency right. Um, but they were, but it, there was a brief period of time early on in 2001 through like 2003 and a half, maybe where the Taliban was on the run and we were, yeah. pu- we were pushing them out and we, then, we beat them down, denied yeah. them freedom of movement and attrited the enemy. Right. That, and, that was the success of both wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, uh, once, once that was no longer like once that was not the game plan, just because like they didn't have like strongholds that we could do that to. Uh, then it just became guerrilla warfare and IEDs. ambush. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and, and that was pretty much for the rest of the Bush administration, a little bit from that CFR CRF org, uh, article, uh, violence increases across the country during the summer months of 2006 with intense fighting erupting in the South in July, a number of suicide attacks, the number of suicide attacks quintuples, uh, from 27 in 2005 to 139 in 2006, while remotely de- de- detonated bombings more than double to uh, 1,677. Despite a string of recent election successes, some experts blame a faltering central government for the spike in attacks. Quote, as with most insurgencies, the critical precondition to the Afghan insurgency is the collapse of governance. End quote. Says Afghanistan expert uh, Seth G. Jones. Jones and other experts point to the many Afghans who lack basic services, the government's difficulty setting up its police forces, and the lack of international forces to assist with security. Um, yeah, we came in and we didn't have a plan right, for we how in, to actually run a government that had already been running before we got there, not in a way well, we enjoyed. Running, you can put in, well. You can yeah, put in air quotes. Uh, granted, yeah, they probably also didn't have a police force that was because in, in you know. beyond like basic services like schools and hospitals right. and like even down to roads. Like 
it, infrastructure at every level is non-existent. And that is true, but I think it's very important if you're going to go in and take over a place to have a plan ready for how to get, like... Instead of just, you know, well, lear- it, learn on the fly. Because not having <laughs> yeah. police forces and not being able to imp- uh, enforce the law is only going to hurt you in the long run, having to deal with more insurgents, more criminals, more, you know, right. well, gangs yeah, because or whatever. If, if we're policing the the local nationals, then we're that all, just makes them hate us even more. Right, and then we're not fighting the people we're supposed to be there fighting. We're, yeah. we're just, we're literally international Creating police. enemies out of the civilians that have nothing to do with what's going on. Yeah. Right. Well, and for that reason, by November of 2006, uh, we started to kind of lose support with our allies as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, cracks in the coalition. At, at the NATO summit in uh, Riga, Riga, uh, rifts emerge among member states on troop uh, commitments to Afghanistan. NATO Security General uh, Jep De Hoop Shepper. Greatest a, name it's, of all time. It's pretty fun. Man, good luck with that. Uh, His last name is all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, he set a target of 2008 for the Afghanistan for the Afghan National Army to begin to take control of security. Quote, I would hope that by 2008 we would have made considerable progress, he says. Uh, with more stable political architecture in place and with a strong interface between NATO and the civilian agencies and effective trusted Afghan security forces forces gradually taking control, end quote. Uh, the leaders, or I'm sorry, leaders of 26 countries agree to remove some national restrictions on how, when, and where forces can be used. But friction continues with... Um, national restrictions on, uh, I'm sorry, with violence against non-governmental aid workers increasing, U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert Gates criticizes NATO uh, countries in late 2007 for not sending more soldiers. Quote, our progress in Afghanistan is real, but it's fragile, Gates says. At the time, many allies are unwilling to share the risk, uh, commit the resources, and follow Man, through. Man, passing the buck. On collective commitments to this mission and each other. As a result, we risk allowing what has been achieved in Afghanistan to slip away. Um, well, I don't know. They didn't ask for it. Well, this also could be something <laughs> to do with the, the last time you asked all your your buddies to follow you into a war, promising that there was a, a reason behind it. It turned out there wasn't a reason. So the next time you do it, I, I guess they're going to be a little hesitant to be like, yeah, let's follow you and give you everything you asked for. Yeah. Well. We were already in Afghanistan by the time Iraq happened, so yeah, I can we, see them we, did, though, we like, didn't really ask for NATO assistance until yeah, after but Iraq. I bet for as much as it feels like a kick in the gut to us to like go back through the timeline and be like, man, as soon as they said Bin Laden, they said Taliban, then they said Afghanistan, then they said Iraq, and it like it all happened so quick that I bet you like that that feeling for our allies exists as well. It's like they, we got attacked. Well, because, like, they got pulled into some shit. Well, and some of them and got attacked you with the UK. But right, yeah. right. Because we just kept on broadening what we were going to war with. Right. right. And our allies are looking at this like, Hold on. Well, and also, we haven't even voted yet. Like, that, what are we you know, doing? Exactly. Yeah. And, with, and, you know, especially going back a few years before 2006 with the the military authorization use, not being able to even tell the public, like, who our enemy were. It was like, well, Al-Qaeda and anybody who supports and harbors them or are friends with them, which it, is like, that's... It, it got to... It had to feel to our allies like George Bush was going to say, we're going to go to co- war with the color blue. Like, <laughs> because it, it was the same thing. Like, right. it didn't... It, it didn't matter how of, tenuous a connection like, they could draw between. Somebody just holds their hand up, like 
Uh, George, there's a lot of blue on this planet. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. He's just sitting over there with a shotgun shooting at his lake. Like, <laughs> 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 uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, by so that that was in 2006. And seven. And, right. So this is winding down the end okay. of his. So they, they're continuing. Like it, I'm assuming it's a yearly like summit meeting type yes. deal. Yeah. Well, you also have to remember this is 2006. So this is winding down the end of the Bush year. So he's going to hand it off. And at this point, I don't know that. I think Hillary's probably looking like a likely candidate for 2008. Um, like, yeah. Right? She was, like, kind of a front-runner considered. So, like, I think there's In a— 2006-7, yes. You would almost was, think that they yeah. would have to, like, really want to get this thing knocked out in the next two years because they don't know who's going to be taking it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, few well, short years from now, and, but Bush didn't care. The, well, they, or like the, even have a plan of how they were going to con- accomplish they that. They planned by, on passing the book. The fact yeah. that it took until 2006 for NATO to lose its patience is kind of surprising to me because that's five years in, right? But yeah. also, like it also highlights the fact that when we got in in those uh, those weeks after 9/11, that we didn't. I don't think anybody in their administration would have told you that it'll like, be done by the time we're out of office. I don't even think Bush believed that. With if you know, no, I'm pretty sure they explicitly told us in episode one that it wasn't going to happen yeah. while they were in office. Like until they get to the point in which, like until we get in this chronological timeline to the point where I was actually in the military, I was ignorant to all of this. Well, not all of it, but a lot of a it. lot of so us. I'm, where we were I'm young, learning though. as we're going with this, and it just. It seems baffling to me that come 2006, 2007, we hadn't even started like inf- any infrastructure or any schools or medical. Because when I got there, that was in full swing. I got there in late 2008, and all of that was in full swing. Like we're building schools and hospitals and roads. Yeah, um, we spent uh, we spent a lot of that was five, probably six years just blowing up. Yeah, the, yeah just well, to and, doing yeah, nothing but hunting terrorists. A yeah. lot of what they were building when you got there was probably in direct uh, a direct result of the complaints they got in, during 2006 of like well, the war like, going so horribly and not having a clear goal in sight. A, a little bit of the other side on this is that the country was an absolute shambles for of for, for some fault of its own, but at least fifty percent. Of the fault of what Russia left it, yeah. So like they, when they left, they dropped just in an inexplainable amount of landmines. Like either left them or dropped them. There was a bunch that they just like flew a plane over and kicked them out the back, and it just like carpet carpet mined the whole area. Uh, my first tour was oh eight oh nine, and I can't tell you how many times there would be casualties coming in and it's kids with like lost limbs from just playing in a field and the mine went off mm-hmm. so like the whole time i was over there from 08 to 09 and then uh again 11 and 12 like our demining of that country like it took that long from i don't know when we started demining the country but it was probably somewhere like 07 and then past when i left in 12 like that's insanity. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's like crazy. you you can't really build roads through a field whenever there's a bunch of mines in it. Right, right. I feel like whoever project managed that war didn't really take into consideration all the individual tasks and how they were going to be. Oh my god, yeah. Have to run concur- congruently, concurrently, and work together. It's because you don't just like decide one day we're going to build a nation. Like yeah. you don't you make could that not... decision before you figure out how to get to that point. They, they could like... not have picked a nation that was in worse shape to try to make into something modern like us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. Especially something that had been so different than us to try to model after our our sense of governance. Like it's it's like, been the mm, world's kind of pun- a It's been the world's punching bag for like three centuries at this point. Yeah. Um, we're gonna jump to 2008, shortly before Obama becomes president. That race is going on right now. I don't care about the race because we're talking about the war. Um, so in August, though, prior to the election, so George, the very end of George Bush's administration, um, collateral killings uh, start to mount. Afghan and UN and UN investigations find that errant fire from a U.S. gunship killed dozens of Afghan civilians in the uh, Shindan district of Western Herat province. Uh, I know I'm botching these names. Drawing drawing con- condemnation from it's pr- Herat. It's yeah. Herat province. Uh, drawing condemnation from President Ahmed Karzai and bolstering Taliban claims that coalition forces are unable to protect the population. U.S. military officials dispute the death toll in this incident, as well as claims that a separate incident in, what is it? Farah. Uh, Farah. Province left uh, as many as 140 civilians dead. After being named top U.S. commander in Afghanistan in mid-2009, General Stanley A. McChrystal orders an overhaul of uh, U.S. <laughs> airstrike procedures. We, quote, we must avoid tr- uh, the trap of winning tactical victories but suffering strategic defeats by causing civilian casualties or excessive damage and thus alienating the people, the general writes. I saw I, you dancing. So I, I agree with that <laughs> sentence. That's about the only thing that McChrystal said that I agree with. I do I do want to play a clip real quick uh, that's just of that U.N. investigation. Um, one of uh, Here, I'll give you a name, actually. The UN spokesperson on civilian casualties. Um, that's not what his job is. He's the he's Karzai's spokesperson, um, and his name is Alim Shadik. And here he is, real quick. Investigations by Yanama found convincing evidence based on the testimony of eyewitnesses and others that some 90 civilians were killed, including 60 children, 15 men and uh, 15 women. This matter is of grave concern to the United Nations. We have repeatedly made clear that the safety and welfare of civilians must be considered above all else during the planning and conduct of all military operations. It is vital that the international and Afghan military forces thoroughly review the conduct of this operation in order to prevent a repeat of this tragic incident. I just wanted to make sure we got that uh, that clip. Yeah, I mean, there. it's common knowledge. I, I I don't see why anyone would disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, is that a, who is that again? Uh, that is Alim Shadik, uh, United Nations Assistant Mission in, hold on, Afghanistan. This is this Duh. is a complete, <laughs> complete, like, aside of what we're actually talking about. But I, I feel like when, when, people that don't speak english learn like british style english it makes them that much harder to understand it, in in my own opinion like <laughs> I, I didn't say i love that guy's accent i liked his accent yeah. too oh i know but like i i can barely understand half 
of the British people that exist. Yeah. Especially, um, especially when it comes to like a Cockney accident. Good God. It's it's funny to listen to, especially if they're going off and cussing some people out with some really colorful language. But, Adele, man, I can't understand them people. Adele, I can understand if she's singing. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's it. Because yeah. everybody that's singing in the English language kind of somewhat sounds like yeah. it's American English. Yeah. Probably um, due to pop culture. But the Crystal triggered yeah. the dance for you yeah i know uh, yeah, M- mccrystal was supposed to be like the white knight of afghanistan and right. it was kind of bush's last ditch effort to make his legacy in afghanistan somewhat no. good so and, and th- that was an obama inheritance he, yeah okay yeah so which the, makes the more com- sense with what misconception happened is that mccrystal was an obama appointee it was wrong and like he didn't really get along with obama yeah. As we soon figured out after, <laughs> like, I don't even know if he lasted a full calendar year before. I don't he think was he did. Fired, I think it was he, like eight nine months. He, uh, he lasted until June of two thousand ten. We'll get oh, there. Oh, so okay. yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, he did, he did good. all right. About a year and a half. He did good, McChrystal. <laughs> but man, I remember when. Uh, so he had so many grandiose <clears throat> ideas for the country of Afghanistan that it's not even funny. Uh, like we so on Bagram Air Base there was. A uh, a Burger King that when he got there was taken away. Say goodbye to that. And like any anything that wasn't the most bland, like normal nutritional, like health food, he just got rid of. And uh-huh. did he hate morale? Yeah, it kind of felt happiness? that way. Because yeah. that's it, like the opposite of what I would have done. I'd have been like, pussies. I would have got there yeah. and been like, you guys need a Chick Fil A. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it kind of felt that way. But like his main. Like the the biggest one he's the, that he's the most famous for is that he wanted to change it to a, a heart and minds winning war, right. which okay if you can achieve that, perfect because that's the only way you build a nation is to make them well, exactly like you. And that's actually like again I I agree with that statement. How are you gonna do it? <laughs> like yeah, that is a yeah. very hard. Not without Chick Fil A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything that was like American. You still get to like, rest on Sundays. We're real yeah. soft shoeing that religion in there. <laughs> it's like every chicken sandwich also comes with the Bible, and we're like, just think about it. <laughs> Got rid of like every way we could have eased American culture into the society, and then he's like, we're still gonna try to win your heart and minds. So basically, we are the Crusaders. Which really, right? honestly, just that's like, not. A, I mean, like if you want to go win the hearts and minds, you should have done the opposite and tried to turn your airbase to make it look like. The rest of Afghanistan, or like, like you know right? what, like, what happened with Iraq? You will like, where, in, uh, assimilate like, to them. They already had like somewhat modern things, so when we got over there, it was just like our culture's kind of like it meshed better, right? Yeah, they, yeah. like you you had a ton of Iraqi kids that wanted to be rappers, like, right? And they knew that like new YouTube videos or whatever, yeah. like or new like the newest American blockbusters. And like, it's easy to go that way because I, Iraq had a lot of like decent infrastructure, right. which Afghanistan didn't. So they didn't really know us at all. Uh, you know, there's a million reasons why we can go, we can talk about this in a negative light, and it's just so many that yeah. we would need a were whole you, podcast um, in itself. So were you but shocked like, when McChrystal was quick, like when the Rolling Stone article came out? Did that send shockwaves through when you were there? Kind of, um, because from everything that I knew about him is that he was just like your standard military hard-ass officer. Like, he walked through the streets of Kabul with no protective gear on. Like, he got r- rid of all body armor and everything to, because he was really all about winning the hearts and minds. Like, he wanted to, like, make it look like he genuinely cared about the people. And maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Uh, 
but that he generally cared about the local people and that he wanted to look as if like he didn't see them as a threat right and H- it was, hence no body armor and his, his, i don't remember exactly um i remember they made that brad pitt movie about it a couple years ago war machine but his his essentially like complaint against obama was that like he didn't think obama was putting in the time the money the effort that it would take to win the hearts and minds yeah. approach that he that he thought obama agreed with but like wouldn't it's that it's that Bay of Pig thing. So, we, yeah. we agree with what you want to do. We're not going to support you he, enough to he let had, you do it. He had like all these promises from Bush, and then when Obama took over, Obama was trying to scale back the spending in Afghanistan. Right. So it became like, it became a do more Mac- with Macri- less thing. Macri- right? Yeah, like, McChrystal wanted the blank check. That's right. a that's a good transition though. Let's get to the Obama years now. Um, we'll do we'll go to uh, March twenty seventh of two thousand nine. Um, so shortly, I mean, the election was in November of two thousand eight. So we're talking about five months into the uh, and something that I've noticed too, just through doing this episode, is how quickly once you're elected president, like you need to come out and say what's going to happen with that shit because we're still at war over yeah. there and yeah. it's costing us three hundred million dollars a day for twenty years. So. The president, like, like 300 million a day for 20 years. That's the average. Damn. And you guys eat the shittiest MREs? It makes makes Bezos look like a pussy. Right. But also, like, why? Like, you should be living on caviar and champagne at that price. (laughs) Motherfucker. You'd think. Or at least getting paid a good wage. So, uh, let's see. President Obama announces a new strategy for the war effort linking success in Afghanistan to a stable Pakistan. The core goal of the strategy, as outlined in uh in integrity white paper is quote to disrupt dismantle and defeat al-qaeda and its safe havens in pakistan and to prevent their return to pakistan or afghanistan end quote the strategy urges the passage of increased aid to pakistan and strict standard of measuring progress in fighting al-qaeda and the taliban plans uh also call for the deployment of an additional 4,000 soldiers to help train the afghan army and uh, let's see, poli- and I'm sorry, Army and Police Force. President Ahmed Karzai of Afghanistan welcomes the strategy, stating that the plan will bring Afghanistan and the international community closer to success. By yeah. the way, there's a trend, too, that Ahmed Karzai is going to always agree with whatever the U.S. says. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just like, it's great, cool. Well, I mean, how often does the puppet disagree with the puppet master? I, I don't think Never. They, Well, I mean, com- I guess Jeff Dunham is a... Uh, Karzai, doesn't <laughs> see, Kar- Karzai doesn't seem like a guy who, like, he seems like a Texas oil like he doesn't care. He has just a, like I mean, if there was a front man, if there's ever a front man, he's got that written all over him. I feel yeah. like here's a little bit. So, like, um, the the funny thing about him talking about searching for a stable Pakistan, Obama making that statement. Uh, little did he know that they were perfectly fine being stable with the terrorists just living in their country. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they're like, whatever, they're not hurting us. Come over here, <laughs> just hang out. Yeah, he's gonna find our, that our out. country's doing just fine, even though you're here. Like you're not, you're <laughs> not trying to change anything for our it. country. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. He's. Uh, I'll let Obama say a little bit um, about his plan, um, and then we can kind of talk about about how that got enacted in a second. I want to speak to you tonight about our effort in Afghanistan. The nature of our commitment there, the scope of our interests, and the strategy that my administration will pursue to bring this war to a successful conclusion. And as Commander-in-Chief, I have determined that it is in our vital national interest 
to send an additional 30,000 U.S. troops to Afghanistan. After 18 months, our troops will begin to come home. These are the resources that we need to seize the initiative while building the Afghan capacity that can allow for a responsible transition of our forces out of Afghanistan. Our overarching goal remains the same, to disrupt, dismantle, and defeat al-Qaeda in Afghanistan and Pakistan, and to prevent its capacity to threaten America and our allies in the future. To meet that goal, we will pursue the following objectives within Afghanistan. We must deny al-Qaeda a safe haven. We must reverse the Taliban's momentum and deny it the ability to overthrow the government. And we must strengthen the capacity of Afghanistan's security forces and government so that they can take lead responsibility for Afghanistan's future. Okay. I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a success. Because, so right, right after the turn of the year, it's probably like February, is whenever that troop surge started coming into Afghanistan. And we rocked shit for those entire 18 months. Yeah. Like, it obviously the 18 months was longer than that, that period was longer than what I was there. So, like, that was about February that they got there. I left in November of that year. That's 2009. But, man, was there some serious shit going on in Afghanistan for that time period. Yeah. We, uh, we, we pushed them out of Ghazni, which was a huge stronghold. And naturally, they fled to Pakistan from there. Uh, but, man, I, we were. We were busy. Yeah. So, like, I I worked on what's called a FARP, F-A-R-P, and that's a forward aviation refuel rearmament point for helicopters. They land with their blades still going, and we would refuel and rearm them. they go out and do their thing. And we got every type of helicopter imaginable coming through there with, loaded up with normal troops, special forces troops, whatever. You name it. We were busy nonstop. It, like we maybe had like forty minutes of downtime between helicopters here and there, but for the most part, man, we were running twenty four seven. Running enough for Bo Bergdahl to get lost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he he walked off base by himself. That's that's a big can of worms that that caused. So you want to um, talk a little bit about that? Because we're at we're at that point in the timeline, and I have yeah, like, we are. I have a little bit pulled about it. We'll probably talk a little bit more about it once we get to 2014 um but let's talk about what happened there so like how he got caught not how the story ends per se he had a problem with his chain of command which i don't know if it was at his first first line supervisor so his e5 sergeant or his staff sergeant or his platoon sergeant whatever somewhere in the chain of command he had a disagreement and Instead of talking it out, he decided to walk off base. And he was going to walk from somewhere in, like, Ghazni province all the way to Kabul, which is a, it's probably, like, five-day hike, through Taliban-controlled country. That's pretty stupid. So <laughs> he didn't it, – it's not like he actively tried to get caught, but it wasn't very hard for him to get caught. Yeah. Like, he – I don't even know if he made it a mile down the road before he got caught. Yeah. Because at that point – like a lot of the local civilians were informants for both sides because both sides were paying them. Yeah. I mean, and why wouldn't they? Afghanistan is a dirt poor country. I don't necessarily blame those people, but like you got to be aware of that. Right. He, he had no situational awareness when he walked off base. Was it just like, was he, 
I want to say, was he being an asshole or was he just being stupid? Or I don't was really it a know. little bit of That's, both? Like, maybe. The, the general consensus from his unit is that he was just being a shitbag and not conforming to being in the military. Which how do you fine. get how do you get but, there and have that though like what happens? Well, most of the time those people get weeded out and they they be like somewhere between training and actually deploying they'll give you a failure to adapt or some other less than honorable discharge. Yeah, and not like sometimes it slips through the cracks and this is a case of that. Yeah, in in my opinion, I think he, he was just. A, a that, dirt bag not getting along with military way of life and yeah. decided to try to get out of it somehow. And that that's a terrible way of doing it. I mean, take a page out of Jimi Hendrix's book and just jack off on a table in front of your superiors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, the, do the Lenny Bruce thing of putting on a dress and, uh, and just, like, yeah. making them homophobic. Oh, kicked out. But... That, it, that, it, that's a question, though. Whenever because... he got captured, it caused a ton of search and rescue missions and... People got hurt in in the course of all this, so it, I I don't like him at all. I don't like Bo Bergdahl at all. Well, we're gonna get back to him in a little bit, um, but I want to talk about uh, another big. I think Guantanamo Bay was something that was like kind of a, a deep dive thing that we had to do, um, <clears throat> just because it was such a big deal in the war. There's another moment in 2010 that's a really big fucking moment in the war. Um, and it is us all uh, collectively becoming aware of what WikiLeaks was uh, for a very, very specific reason. For more than two and a half years, the wire service Reuters has been trying to find out what happened to their two staff members on this street in the suburb of New Baghdad. WikiLeaks says this is what happened. The voice on the tape, presumably a member of the military, says there has been shooting in the area and receives permission to open fire. When people are labeled as insurgents, um, are they really insurgents? It, it seems to be the case that uh, from, we, from the scenes in this video, that any person that is not a man uh, and sometimes not a woman uh, is by default labeled as an insurgent. Light them all up. Come on, fire! Hey, Roger. Keep shooting. God damn it, Kyle. Alright. <laughs> oh yeah, look at those dead bastards. From a distance, you hear the voices on the tape watch as the wounded try to crawl to help. But when help arrives... Come on, let us shoot. You're engaged. 1-8, engaged. Clear. Come on. Clear. Oh yeah, look at that, right through the windshield. <laughs> In this video, I think you see the corruption of pilots and the military by war itself in particular by modern nature of aerial warfare. So you see these young pilots acting like they're playing video games, only the high scores they are getting are with real human lives. I just drove over a body. Even from high above, the harsh reality becomes evident as the troops that arrive find two children wounded. 
you see them carry their small bodies and call for help. Hey, uh, I need to get the rat, the brass to drop rats. I got a wounded girl. We need to take the rest of my. The response on the tape. Oh, it's their fault for bringing their kids to a battle. That's right. Patty Colhane, Al Jazeera, Washington. As a medic, man, as a medic, I would be motherfucking those pilots. Yeah, as well, and as, like nonstop because there's a, there's a lot of motherfucking those pilots that needs to be going on from a lot of different like, well, not like just, so this clip doesn't really give context to what happened prior so like I I can't give full judgment like because it, it's definitely not a known thing like they they feel like they're firing on insurgents but they're they're firing into civilians and the does what's written down here does that coincide with this clip uh the the chelsea manning stuff oh we're on a i don't even have that yeah we're we're on to chelsea manning now uh we will be in a second um because chelsea manning at at first so the voice we heard in that clip the male voice was julian assange um and this was really when the world met julian assange and really met WikiLeaks and figured out what WikiLeaks was because this was massive. Like this was a huge. And a large part. This was also the first time that the world really took stock that the internet was going to be something that shook international relations. Yeah, I mean, and so governments we, were going to have to come. Like we to had, fear it. we had seen beheadings and stuff before. We this. had, but we had never seen, yeah, and we had I've, seen, we and we'd seen classified documents released. Daniel Pearl or I don't whoever. even know if I was in high school yet when that guy got beheaded. Right. I think I was still but in middle school. It might have been eighth grade. I was in high school. And we had seen we had seen classified documents. Eighth or ninth grade. Yeah. Yeah. And we had seen classified documents released, but never in the way that Assange and WikiLeaks had done it what, before. What year? Once, what year was this? So this was uh, 2010? 2010, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, this so was in April of 2010. Nine, year, nine years into this war. I'm I'm gonna try my hardest not to be like apologist or sympathetic, but like, well, I am gonna be sympathetic. I'm gonna show a lot of empathy here to all sides because humans are humans and we make mistakes. Uh, so y- usually these pilots are not given the green light unless there's intelligence that confirms that this is a target they can fire upon. But their response is what's disturbing, right? And that is because we've been at war for nine years already. Well, well, and, I and think, also, whoever, I think, the idea that you would give clearance to shoot when someone had kids with them. I think that... Well, intelligence can be bad. Yeah. A lot. I think that... I mean, Iraq didn't have WMDs. Oh, yeah, man. But, <laughs> but I think true. it's the demeanor that is shocking and, like, made it such a huge scandal. Well, and, and, it's because and, like, it shows a so carelessness and a desensitization. It's, it's the pilots getting defensive. Like, um, they're defensive immediately. Yeah. And that that's kind of natural because the alternative is that they get fried under court martial right which i don't know what happened after this one i'm sure we're going to read about it here in a second or two like do we have a conclusion on this incident um i don't know if that's in uh i don't this think one. anything ever happened i don't to, think anything no. ever happened with it either in all honesty to be fair it's 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 rare that stuff like this went to a court martial because Although like, every everybody had each other's backs, it's a lot like a right. police union right. style thing. And yeah. what would you what would you have accused them of being callous, being um, being insensitive while we're murdering people? Like right. the, yeah, the, the only the, the people the only that way, gave them the green light are truly the people that like okay. The, the only way you yeah. can the, thing. the only way you can fry the trigger puller is if the trigger puller has knowledge that it is a civilian, right? Which right. in well, this case well, they clearly. Wouldn't. But I think know. I think with like when when you talk about uh, Gitmo and torture, and then you get onto drone strikes that. 
indiscriminately kill people and, well, and target th- children. This is a little it's, more personal. Like this is a an Apache helicopter. Right. This is oh a, yeah, that's not even a. This yeah. is an AH sixty four attack helicopter sixty four Apache gunship. Yeah, this is that's, before drones even. So really like took they off. can see this car. Like if if it was daylight, they would clearly be able to see the car. And if it's nighttime, they can still see it because they have white hot, black hot infrared. Right, and that's the video that was released. The, infrared, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the that was it's, the, it's like this the grayscale yeah, type. This stuff mostly thing. happens at night. So whenever there's a black backdrop, white is the color that is hot. So anything that has heat shows up as white. Yeah, and if it's vice versa. To where the, the the backdrop is white, anything that's black show is what's showing up as heat, and you can interchange that in the same system. Gotcha. It's just preference on your own eyes. Uh, a lot of people prefer black backdrop to white heat, and when I used it, that's what I preferred. Right. Um, uh, these WikiLeaks, uh, like the leaks from the the military. Um, and and there were several of these videos and several of these stories very similar to what we just heard uh, came from Bradley Manning at the time. I'm going to refer to him. He has since had a sex change or he's transgender. I think he has. But, uh, yeah, she but has. She has. And for yeah. all um, intents and purposes, so this Chelsea, is Chelsea Manning. Yeah, we're going to say Chelsea Manning. So um, This is 2021. It's Chelsea Manning. Yeah. Uh, so let me read a little bit about Chelsea Manning um, because she was the one who was responsible for leaking uh, the the these tapes to WikiLeaks and, and making it a huge international uh, scandal, really. Um, Chelsea Manning... Okay, sorry. That three fucked me up. I would start with the second paragraph, even. Uh, oh, maybe. Chelsea Manning is an American activist whistleblower. She is a former United States Army soldier who was convicted by court-martial in 2013 of violations of the Espionage Act and other offenses after disclosing to WikiLeaks nearly 750,000 uh, classified or unclassified or unclassified but sensitive military and diplomatic documents. She was imprisoned from 2010 to 2017 when her sentence was commuted. A trans woman, Manning, stated in 2013 that she had a female gender identity since childhood. Okay, that doesn't pertain to this. what happened. Uh, assigned in 2009 it, to an army unit in Iraq as an intelligence analyst, Manning had access to classified databases. In early 2010, she leaked classified information to WikiLeaks and confided to Adrian uh, Lamo, an online acquaintance. Uh, Lamo indirectly informed the Army's Cr- Criminal Investigation Command, and Manning was arrested in May of that same year. Uh, the marshal included videos of the July 12, 2007 Baghdad airstrike and 2009, uh, is it Granny? Granny? In. Granny, Granny. That was in Afghanistan. It's one that I haven't heard personally, so. Uh, she also leaked uh, 251,287 U.S. diplomatic cables and 482,832 Army reports that came to be known as Iraq War Logs and Afghan War Diary. Uh, the material was published by WikiLeaks and its media partners between April 2010 and April 2011. Manning was charged with 22 offenses, including... 
aiding, aiding the enemy seems a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, maybe considering yeah. everything leaked was a past occurrence. Right. Yeah, but she and the only way it aided the enemy was in PR to show it a piss poor job you were doing. She leaked the names of CIA agents that were in the field oh, at the that, time. Oh, that is true. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. that's right. Because that was the big thing. WikiLeaks that, didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't go through and redact anything. They just released it all. Right. I'm uh, I'm remembering why I hold such uh, contentment for, for this for person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would. I mean, for me, that's the biggest thing too. Like, I'm glad we like, saw y- the Apache you... videos. I'm not glad we saw the names of CIA. It's one of the reasons I like. Snow- I think Snowden as, took a better approach to his. As, as much of a bastard as most CIA agents are. It is not in the best interest of your country or anyone involved to leak their names and whereabouts. Right. Because yeah. then that could include their families, which quite often don't have an iota of an idea of what their husbands or wives actually do for a living. Yeah, true. Uh, Manning was charged with 22 offenses, including aiding the em- enemy, which was the most serious charge and could have resulted in a death sentence. She was held at Marine Corps Brig. Uh, Quantico, Quantico, in Quantico. Quantico, Quantico. This is back here in America. Right. Everything's everything's a hard, Quantico, yeah. hard, Quantico Quantico hard the, consonants, uh, hard enough. consonants, loud vowels. Fair enough. I didn't know what southern part of what Quantico. country we were in anymore. This is, this is Quantico, uh, Virginia. So the FBI is yeah. their headquarters. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, she was there from 2010 to April 2011 under prevention of injury status, which uh, entailed de facto solitary confinement and other restrictions that caused domestic and international concerns before being transferred to the Joint Regional Correctional Facility at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, where she could interact with other detainees. She pleaded guilty in February 2013 of, of 10 of the charges. The trial on the remaining charges began on June 3rd, 2013, and on July 30th, she was convicted of 17 of the original charges and amended versions of four others, but was acquitted of aiding the enemy. She was sentenced to 35 years at a maximum security U.S. disciplinary barracks at Fort Leavenworth. On January 17, 2017, Barack Obama commuted Manning's sentence to nearly seven years of confinement dating from her arrest on May 27, 2010. After release, Manning earned a living through speaking engagements. Yeah, so... It was a big deal, though. And then, the then an unsuccessful thing, run in politics. The, the first thing that right. I... Oh, yeah. Forget about that one. But, I mean, do you really think you're going to win after yeah. your name is sullied? Uh... It roundly defeated. I think the the person got like eighty percent who for, ran against her. for some good reason, for some not. Like yeah, so yeah, I would agree with that statement. I want to speak. She, I want to speak first on like the the time in confinement versus the sentence. Uh, somebody who's in like a Gen Pop prison that is known to be trans is going to have a real bad time. Like my my empathy level is significantly more than what it was whenever this all first occurred. Like when this first occurred, I was like, yeah, whatever, fine, S- serves it right. Like now, it's like, man, there's no there, there there's no telling how much mental trauma has had occurred during that prison stint. Yeah, like on, only she knows how bad it really was. And like for, we can be empathetic to that, mm-hmm. but my God, yeah, yeah. And I'm always going to be uh, sympathetic to someone who's releasing something that, like, I mean, yes, they are classified, but like, if it's a war crime, which arguably 
I mean, I'd, I don't know what definition you'd use. I'd call it a fucking crime what happened. So it's, and, it's, and, it's, yeah, it's black and white. It's a crime because right. she leaked classified documents. Like, that's a major no-go, especially as a member well, no, of the I was, military. I was thinking right. even what, she, what, they, what the whistleblower was leaking. Like, if she leaked things that were crimes, like the bombing of innocent, like the bombing of children my only, and civilians. Yeah. My only... Uh, I'm a little more conflicted about that. My my biggest issue with the releasing of documents is just, like, the, the names of people who are in the field, like, that shit should not be there. Like, you should be smart enough to not just grab everything so, and put it all yeah, out what, there. What was the number of cables and other documents? It, it's north of a hundred. It's uh, north, it, north of a million documents. It, it was about 750,000, I think, so, uh, in okay. total. So 750,000 documents. Close to a million. Like, so that's more than a million pages worth of shit. I'm not reading even 10% of that. That's true. Like, I guarantee you she didn't read 10% of that and just went, boop, send. Yeah. Drag and drop. Email. Drag and well, drop. Well, in the same way that, <laughs> yeah. in the way, in the same way so, that she grabbed careless. things indiscriminately, it's not in the same way. You don't, most people don't have time and access to sit there and just take the things that they, they think are really incriminating. They kind of have to grab everything. Yeah, it's that blue like, unless thing, I'm, right? Unless I'm getting paid to read that crap, I'm yeah. not reading it. Right, I'm right. Not doing that's it. why they get journalists. Yeah, that's why they have me. people who run blogs. <laughs> <laughs> fucking me, over here with a printer and a fucking and a a stack report. of dead trees. Yeah, I mean, like even even now, buy binders. E- even now, I'm not gonna go and read that. I don't have the time. Right, <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, um, but but it was like it straight up. It's crime. But I'm fine with seven years and time served. I think it was one of the bigger scandals of the war, though. Uh, and yeah. I mean, it really like again, like I've said it a couple times, but the importance for WikiLeaks that 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 this moment was, um, because then WikiLeaks became oh, yeah, a thing. Exploded. Like it, yeah. I mean, it this w- this made Julian Assange and WikiLeaks absolutely yeah. made them and kind of fucked him too, because then well, he had to go true. into hiding. Very true. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but is Costa Rica really hiding? Yeah. Like, I, I can have a lot of damn fun in that country. Yeah, if you're not, if you're allowed to leave the room. Well, yeah, like I'm pretty true. sure he was stuck in an embassy room for a long ass time. But there's worse places to pick than Costa Rica. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. This could be Siberia. Um, another scandal that uh, that I have um, from the war. I want you to read actually, Jim. Uh, this is from that crf.org article. Um, our timeline that we're working with here. Where are we at? General McChrystal uh, on June 23rd, 2010. I got it right here. Do you want to use this one, Jim? I'll get there. I just got to separate <laughs> the pages. Do the old man lick the fingers. Not working. How? What is this sorcery? It's called the, pap- right. it's called the paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. June 23rd, 2010. General McChrystal relieved from Afghan command. General Stanley McChrystal is relieved of his post as commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan following a controversial Rolling Stone article in which he and his aides were quoted criticizing the administration. Oh, that's not a comma. That's that's period. Uh, Quoted criticizing the administration. President Barack Obama nominates General David Petraeus, head of military central command and architect of the 2007 Iraq surge to replace McChrystal. At the time... I was celebrating. I was not in Afghanistan at 
anymore. You're like, I'm going to go back and there's going to be a fucking Chick-fil-A. But it's going to be great. <laughs> Get but, our Burger King back. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I, like a lot of other service members at the time, had a fucking hard on for Petraeus. Petraeus was the absolute cock and balls in the military. This right. dude was just like... And I remember that he, he, being a bold choice at the time because uh, Obama had been like stuck with McChrystal, who bitched about him to a Rolling Stone reporter. So the first time Obama got to put his guy in charge, it seemed like he had made a decent choice. Well, now, like, I don't think I, that, I, don't, I don't even care like politically. Like, yeah, okay, Obama nominated Petraeus. Like, it didn't matter if they were a Republican or a Democrat. Petraeus was right. the shit. Like that guy, he you know he's in charge of CENTCOM. He was in charge of Afghanistan prior to me getting there. Uh. Petraeus, up into the time of his scandal, which removed him from office, which I think the scandal was probably leaked for reasons that we'll never know. Like, he probably pissed off the wrong person or whatever. He, like, generally people at the height of power are not they, – they don't usually act like great human beings. So yeah. I'm not trying to be an apologist for Petraeus and him cheating on his wife, like, all the time. But Just admitting that, uh, like, that is – yeah. He was a great general. Regardless of all that other crap, like that didn't have anything to do with him being a good or a bad general. A lot of good generals are terrible fucking people in real life. Yeah, and until something comes out, Mattis is still the god king of generals. Like he can do no wrong. But uh, going back to Petraeus and the story that we're on, McChrystal. Uh, well, yeah, but so uh, yeah, I believe I ended the statement on Petraeus. But yeah, so. Petraeus replaces McChrystal, and then the change in command comes at a crucial time of the war as additional surge forces are scheduled to arrive at a, of, of critical operation in Kandahar. Obama emphasizes that his acceptance of McChrystal's re resignation does not reflect disagreement over the counterinsurgency strategy he had helped shape. We are in full agreement about our strategy. This is a change in personnel, not a change in policy. Yeah. That's a thin line to walk. Cause you, well, you, it, it's true. There, it there was no change in policy. When when Petraeus took over, uh, the hearts and minds winning of Afghanistan was still in full effect, and it continued that way because, let's be honest, it's the only way we were getting out of there without any sort of bruises on us. Right. Is if we were successful in building a nation. I, I think that the problem was that McChrystal was complaining that Obama wasn't giving him the tools needed to do that. So that, then, like, once McChrystal was fired, Obama's like, well, we'll get a new guy, and he agrees with our policies. Like, yeah, well, the last guy agreed with your policy. He just didn't agree with that you were giving him enough to do it successfully, right? So well, I think that Obama's still in the same boat. It like, was a lot more colorful than I just disagree with the amount of resources you're yeah, giving me. I mean, well, yeah, that's, that's I true. Believe, I believe he called him a limp dick pussy. <laughs> I don't think he went that. Did he go that in in part? Rolling Stone? Was that in the Rolling Stone piece? I don't think McChrystal said stuff, but I think a lot of his staff were saying and joking about stuff in his presence, and it kind of became like he tacitly approved it. Because I remember reading the quotes recently, and they weren't that bad, like that inflammatory, but it was very mocking, very dismissive of Obama and well, you gotta, the administration. You got to think about it. If you're, if you're that high up, you are the company that you keep. So all, yeah. of, all of his direct underlings are saying that. He's also saying that because you know, in, in closed doors, they probably dunked on Obama nonstop. Yeah, right? or at least they thought they did. And every, I'm sure everyone does that to their boss until Obama fired him. <laughs> yeah, and, and then until, Obama was and, dunking until a Rolling Stones writer published it. <laughs> yeah, um, Obama has another dunk coming up. We're gonna jump to uh, 2011 now, ten years into the war, and er, well, about nine years into the war, halfway through our fucking story. This is part two 
We're halfway. <laughs> like yeah. it is now 2011. Let the war is half let over. That, let that sit in this room for a second. And also note, we've skipped a lot of stuff. A lot yeah. of shit. A lot of shit. Because time does not allow. I don't have 20 years to shoot this damn topic. Um, so, uh, Obama dunks. Good evening. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of al-Qaeda, and a terrorist who's responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent men, women, and children. It was nearly 10 years ago that a bright September day was darkened by the worst attack on the American people in our history. The images of 9-11 are seared into our national memory. Hijacked planes cutting through a cloudless September sky, the Twin Towers collapsing to the ground, black smoke billowing up from the Pentagon, the wreckage of Flight 93 in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where the actions of heroic citizens saved even more heartbreak and destruction. And yet we know that the worst images are those that were unseen to the world. The empty seat at the dinner table, children who were forced to grow up without their mother or their father, parents who would never know the feeling of their child's embrace, nearly 3,000 citizens taken from us, leaving a gaping hole in our hearts. On September 11, 2001, in our time of grief, the American people came together. We offered our neighbors a hand, and we offered the wounded our blood. We reaffirmed our ties to each other and our love of community and country. On that day, no matter where we came from, what God we prayed to, or what race or ethnicity we were, we were united as one American family. We were also united in our resolve to protect our nation, and to bring, to bring those who committed this vicious attack to justice. See, even Obama slips up a little bit. Yeah, he does. But There's God, a little bit of a word jumble. That's like the, the only one that I can remember. Do you, like, I, I left that purposely long. Like, obviously, I could have ended that after one sentence and just been like, we got about, uh, Osama. Um, but, like, man, like, between listening to Bush and Trump for the entire time that I've been prepping these two episodes, like, that... One Obama piece right there for me was just yeah. like, man, somebody who can talk and convey ideas like like while I don't think I, I don't think that Bush was malicious and I don't necessarily think that he was fully empathetic, but he at least had some sort of like concept on the human aspect of all this. Trump and, had none of that. And, unless you're talking uh, about uh, Guantanamo. Well, he never actually really talked about that. He's like, it's really vague. <laughs> but yeah. Well, by, Trump, by far, Trump said he was going to fill it up with bad guys. By far, Obama gets it. He understands where everybody in like the humanity aspect of it is at. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of the reasons I let that go on for a second is because I liked that idea. I, I, it's funny how hindsight, I really enjoy that, whereas at the time I was like, Obama, Obama bad. Yeah, see, like <laughs> to me, I'm just like, man... He, uh, I don't know, there's something pleasing to me about that not-so-long-lost memory of, like, yeah, we did all come together over this. We may not have all come together for the right reasons. We may not have, uh, as, a, as a government and as a country, we may have not uh, reacted to 
September 11th it didn't last the, long. the right way. It didn't right. last long, but like there was that moment and like it was I remember that morning that Barack Obama came on the TV. I think it was a Sunday morning. It was May 1st of 2011. Um I'm almost positive it was a Sunday morning just based on what I was doing. I was getting ready for hockey practice. I'm almost positive. And uh, I turned on the TV and he like walked in early in the morning um, and I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Because like the president doesn't come on TV on the weekend at like seven in the morning. Um, and that was that was a cool moment. That should have been the, probably the, the start of the wind down of the war. Right. Should have. Absolutely. Um, and I think that Barack Obama had that in mind as well. Uh, this is a month later. I, like, man, I wish he would have. And they well he did uh he, he had that well, in he, mind he, he he and to give him credit he wound it down pretty close to nothing uh, he, he yeah uh and that started with like from when he first got there with over 100,000 troops well, to then and when he, he, even when had, he left to under 10,000 I mean he even upped it is that an accurate point. number i'm speculating yeah. now well, is, it, did he have less than 2000 or less than 10,000 when whenever he left office um, he got close he got down to it but i think you also have to factor in the fact that like while well, Troops were being moved out. There's a lot more drone strikes happening. Like they they skyrocketed under him. Well, mainly such because is the nature of technology. Of technology. He, yeah. It is, yeah, he was shooting for 9,800, but like by the end of okay, so yeah. he he arguably got close to he 10, got, 10,000 or less. Yeah. Um. So, but I mean, even in the beginning, Which, I like, mean, it's probably about the best you can do because it you still needed infrastructure there. Like it it takes a really long time to get out of that country without having an absolute disaster and as you can see still a disaster right it didn't take him long though to want to get out as soon as we announced that osama had been killed rightfully so within four weeks we had that was uh, the absolute signal to start the drawdown yep bringing america's longest war to an end President Obama called reporters to the White House Rose Garden to lay out his plan for pulling out the 32,000 U.S. troops now left in Afghanistan. America's combat mission will be over by the end of this year. Starting next year, Afghans will be fully responsible for securing their country. American personnel will be in an advisory role. We will no longer patrol Afghan cities or towns, mountains or valleys. That is a task for the Afghan people. Uh, this was June 22nd, 2011. Uh, mm. President Obama outlines a plan to withdraw 33,000 troops by the summer of 2012. That sur- might have, so what he said was it, he might have might have been his idea, but didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh, I the, was there the, at the time. <laughs> the surge of troops sent in 2009, including 10,000 by the end of 2011. Polls show a record number of Americans do not support the war, and Obama faces pressure from lawmakers, particularly Democrats, who sizably reduce U.S. forces in, in Afghanistan. After the surge, troops leave. An estimated 70,000 troops are scheduled to stay through at least 2014. Um, Obama confirms that the U.S. is holding pre- preliminary peace talks with the Taliban leadership. With reconciliation in mind, the U.N. Security Council days earlier splits a sanctions list between members of al-qaeda and the taliban making it easier to add or remove people and entities he would go on uh in that speech we just heard a couple of clips from and kind of outline what our new role was going to be um, as the troop drawdown 
um, was was going to be enacted. Afghan forces have been in the lead against insurgents since last year, and the 9,800 U.S. troops will stay to continue training them and to support counterterrorism operations. President Obama made a surprise visit to Afghanistan on Sunday and met with military commanders who hoped the gains made by U.S. forces in securing Afghanistan won't be lost. That could have been our Freudian slip right there. <laughs> so from, <laughs> I was about to say. From, from late 2009 when I left to early 2011 when I got back there. So we're talking about a year, maybe four months difference. Mm-hmm. Um, the country was vastly different. Uh, we went from active patrols all the time and how I was really busy. Remember, I, mm-hmm. I talked about being really busy. We were not busy, like, at all. Like, yeah. Like, we, we, we had the same type of job setting as American firefighters do, where you mainly just sit around and wait. Yeah. There was a lot of that for the second tour from 11 to 12. Um, and that was while this drawdown was not place. not at first. So I got there in February 2011. So the drawdown would have really started taking place later in that year. Okay. And I guess it kind of did, but the 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 drawbacks were already in set prior to. But the patrols that he's talking about of not doing, like I guarantee you, that didn't stop fully until after I was gone. Yeah. So probably late 2012, early 2013, you were seeing. The, the the full non like the full stop of American patrols and it just being the Afghan National Police and Afghan National Army, um, but yeah, it I, says I, uh, I, by... I gotta say like there is there's quite a quite a bit of truth to what he was saying, but at the same time like not exactly, and then uh, I want to get into like how. Like, even in 2011, whenever we were talking about, like, making our move to leave the country, like, we shouldn't have been under any illusion that what has happened over the past month was going to occur. Like, uh, probably four months into my deployment in 2011, we had... So, the tower guards around our FOB were Afghan nationals and they were affiliated with the Afghan national police. Like they were hired on from them. It was a private security company kind of, well, one of them, uh, the the Taliban got to his family and like posed threats on his family and basically said like, unless he does some sort of an act against the United States that they were going to harm his family and that happened. He walked off of his tower guard shift and he was walking by some soldiers and he shot five of them, killing two, one immediately, the other one as we were like my unit, the guys. So I had just gotten off a shift. Mm-hmm. I walked past these five dudes that got shot like not even five minutes prior to it happening. Wow. And then my other shift loaded these guys onto the helicopter loaded the two onto the helicopter that were in critical enough condition to be airlifted the one obviously was already dead second had got shot in the head but was still like speaking and had some form of conscious which was 
blew my mind when I heard that story. Yeah. But he, he died en route from our fob to the air base, which would have been Kandahar. Man. That's that's ridiculous. So that's like rough. We should have had no illusion that the Taliban was coming back. Because they, they, they had they had routes into the mindset of all peoples. Yeah, well, and like we've talked about before, and especially uh, one of the big themes in the first episode was how much that this is an ideology that exists within yeah. the territory. For centuries. Yeah. Be- before, yeah. Before the United States was the United States. Yeah, Sharia existed <clears throat> before Russia was there. You know, right? Like so. So Obama wanting to take his time, withdrawing slowly down. You know, uh, using more drone strikes, uh, pulling troops home. While that's a great idea in theory, and and arguably the way you should do a withdrawal, there is no good way to do a withdrawal from that area. And you know, like, and I feel like, especially because we know how Obama's withdrawal goes, it doesn't get quite there, and it leads to no. Trump, and then where we are well, now. And it says that uh, from that same CRF.org article, Afghan security takeover was uh, quote unquote completed uh, in 2000 in June of 2013. Afghan forces take the lead in security responsibility nationwide as NATO hands over control of the remaining 95 districts. The U.S.-led coalition's focus shifts to military training and special operation-driven counterterrorism. Uh, the handover occurs on the same day that the special that the announcement. The handover occurs on the same day as the announcement that the Taliban and U.S. officials will resume talks in Doha, Doha, Qatar, where the Taliban had just opened an office. President Ahmed Karzai, believing the office will confer legitimacy on the insurgent group and serve it as a diplomatic outpost, suspends negotiations with the United States. With its mandate expiring in 2014, the United States must negotiate a bilateral security agreement with the Karzai government to maintain a military presence. That was when Karzai kind of like flipped on yeah. us. Yeah. Like flipped the script. Right? It was like, I'm not a puppet anymore. And God like, damn it. Yeah. It was kind of like. Now you're it, giving them a seat at the table, which I can understand why they would anger him. Not to mention, they, they opened up a, an office in Qatar, which we have an Air Force base in right. Qatar. No. Like, Qatar is seen as a sovereign country. Right. And, and they're just like, yeah, you rent this office yeah. space from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's WeWork. It's a WeWork office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, it, uh, I don't but they know. Did, that did, I remember that throwing a monkey wrench in um, Obama's plans because suddenly yeah. he had he had what he thought was a well, like, winding I, down. Karzai was Bush's buddy. Right. And all of a sudden, Obama and, well, and is, he was Obama. He was okay with Obama. He didn't. He wasn't hostile to him at first after right. Obama inherited the war. He's not his oil buddy. But that's probably also the, yeah, that might have something to do with it. A that's bit. speculative, but. Yeah, but it makes sense. <laughs> so, fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm not saying. I can make a, a red yarn string go from point A to point B on that one yeah. pretty easily. <laughs> I mean, goes right from him to Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> it is speculative, but 
in May uh, tw- in May of 2014, Obama announces uh, U.S. troop withdrawal. Bar- uh, President Barack Obama announces a timetable for withdrawing most U.S. forces from Afghanistan by the end of 2016. The first phase of his plan calls for 9,800 uh, U.S. troops to remain after com- after the combat mission concludes at the end of 2014. Uh, limited to training at limited to training Afghan forces and conducting operations against uh, the remnants of al-Qaeda. Obama says the drawdown will be will free resources for counterterrorism pri- priorities elsewhere. Some analysts point to the insurgency's reliance and question the plan's uh, rigidity. Both candidates vying to succeed President Ahmed Karzai have promised to sign the security agreement that is a prerequisite that is a prerequisite of any post 2014 U S troop presence. Um, so let it be known that like 2014 is when ISIS is in like full swing. Yeah. Right. And that's so the you, other thing so that, have, that Obama comes right up against. Yeah. You have Iraq and then the lesser known Philippines. Like nobody talks about ISIS in the Philippines, but that was a big damn deal. That yeah. took a while to get rid of the ISIS in the Philippines. Yeah. It was almost 2016 yeah. by the time we finally eradicated ISIS out of the Philippines. This is a little stupid, but uh, ISIS came about right when Archer was getting popular, and Archer <laughs> works for the, in, yeah. in, the, the international. Yeah, like yeah. The, the acronym was ISIS, so they actually had to change it after the third season because of that. <laughs> so it's the goddamn I, I terrorist groups that. quit taking <laughs> away everything. I, I watched Archer in the same sense that I also watched Aqua Teen, like when I was up late at night. <laughs> right. It's so funny for the rest of this entire topic. How many now? Like so, Bush has. Like Bush started the war, Obama's now talked about withdrawal from Iraq. He's talked about withdrawal from Afghanistan. He's fired people. We <laughs> are literally going to talk about withdrawal with like every person that we talk about from it's here on withdraw, out is going to be withdraw, withdraw. So withdraw, the last withdraw, half of this war, like, never get it done. In the from, last half from of this war was a withdraw. Yeah, yeah, for ten years, for a whole decade, we were talking about withdrawal. Can you imagine and, if you and, lived in a house for ten years in the last half of the the last five years, you were packing to move. <laughs> that's what it's like. Yeah. Like that'd be so annoying. Yeah. So like from 2011, Except you're in somebody else's house. From, right? They're right. waiting for you yeah. to fucking move. Yeah. My boxes are like, in the way of you. Like you, showering. You, you've are they? been hanging on to my couch for a long time, man. Like, yeah. can you please get out of here? But from so like from 2011 to 2021, like. Th- th- Let's just say that our pullout game was real weak. Like yeah. we, we had like ten kids in this the whole time. We could talk a great game. We just could not walk the walk. Well, and it's interesting to me uh, as I'm going through the timeline. And I'm just seeing like withdraw. Okay, maybe not. Withdraw. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> withdraw. Okay, maybe not. And then we get to playing 2000. That, playing that Catholic rhythm method. Yeah, <laughs> we get to 2014, and Obama's like, "All right, guys, I told you, I'm gonna withdraw." ISIS, the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, is driven by a single aim. As its name suggests, the creation of an Islamic State in Sunni territories across Syria and Iraq. In Syria, three years of civil war has allowed them to claim hundreds of square miles of territory from the Iraqi border to the Mediterranean coast. Now they've swept over the border into northern Iraq. Several hundred of its number easily overran the country's second largest city, Mosul. Tens of thousands of Iraqi soldiers and policemen simply dropped their weapons and ran. Their forces have moved quickly towards the capital, Baghdad, amassing cities, recruits and resources on their way.
ISIS now controls a chunk of territory in Syria and Iraq larger than a lot of countries. Yeah, we're never going to get out of the Middle East because no matter what, like, there's always, like, we're either going to be bin Laden to Al Qaeda to the Taliban to Iraq to Iran to ISIS. This is the reason the, 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 the wording of that document was so fucking important when it said, like, anybody who. Like orchestrated or helped any, or hid any and all associates. Yeah, that, that that covers so many people that like every time we want to get out, we're like, well, if if we were fighting Group A, what wouldn't logically we also be fighting Group C and then yeah. D and then E? Yeah. Like it's never fucking philosophy ending. majors had a fucking heyday with this. You cannot fight an idea. This is why you can't. The seven, idea never goes away. You can't away. seven degrees of Kevin Bacon in a, a fight because you'll just end up fighting everybody. <laughs> right. He's fucking been in every movie. One of the truest things about this entire three-part series that we will end up doing uh, is, is are, are one of the most devastating, I guess, clips that we've played is in episode one when both George Bush and Dick Cheney and I believe even Donald Rumsfeld, we got it from each of them in clips that like. No, this is the start of something. Like this right. is like we don't really have a plan and like it just for our entire generation it has been true. This has been an ongoing thing from the time that we were in fucking middle school and like the amount of times that a president has told us or attempted to get us out of Afghanistan and Iraq only to have something or even, else happen. Or even course correct with Iraq and Afghanistan. Some of them haven't even been trying to get out of it, just being like, all right, well, we're fighting it wrong. Let's fight it better. And none of them can ever get to that that like, that like end goal, that they're actually fighting a war. In a, like Because they're just fighting a war of attrition. It's just a back and forth. We're never gaining ground. We're never gaining anything of substance. Not anymore. Not, no, at, yeah, not, not after, after 2006, 2006 yeah. 2007. Yeah. Um. Maybe if, when we were, maybe when we were like building schools and shit in yeah. or whatever. When you, but you don't ever. Over, but you don't ever want the the first four years of a twenty year war to be the best four years of a twenty year war. Sadly, right. all all that infrastructure outside of the roads, because roads are semi permanent, is all going to be gone. Schools, hospitals. Right. I think toast. I think Barack Obama had a lot of uh, well intentions when it came to the war. Um, yeah, I absolutely. think I think he he had the right idea. He was saying the things that we wanted to hear. Other than I'm going to close Guantanamo Bay and then just well, be no, like, well, ah, forget he, I said, he said that. that a lot. And then he was just like hand waved the fuck out of that. The yeah. whole whole idea was to try to end it. And there's just no way. Not not not, not, without, not messy. Not without collapsing the country. Yeah, there's no way. And I I think that was the one thing he was trying not to give up on because he. Closed Iraq, and we saw what happened. Yeah. So was he really going to do it again? No. Right. Nah, he said, fuck that. I'm You're not. an idiot politician if you do it again. Yeah. One thing I, I will say, I do think that Barack Obama uh, had good intentions. I think that he that he was trying to make the right moves. One of the things that I think was uh, was not a good move, one of the things that is really the biggest deal in this war and i believe was even like really came into like prevalence in this war uh is drone warfare uh that was one thing that obama excelled at more so than any well, other president the, the is, technology came about right before him and really came into full swing during his during, presidency yeah. so yeah the bush administration it, i believe like, it was like 57 I don't, strikes i don't fault him 
for it because it, it was a way to lessen troop presence and still have like an iron fist over yep. the the people you're trying to keep from I, taking I, power. I fault them a little bit because of their efficiency, and I don't know. I'm no expert, so I, I'm well. Gonna, it's uh, you it's know. It's more more so intelligence than it is the drones, but the drones and, are like yeah. an extension of the intelligence arm. Exactly. And we but all know you, that yeah, intelligence, intelligence kind of sucks. Yeah, right. Intelligence is an oxymoron. It's a paradox of a name. And I think also our system uh, of you know who's in the room deciding which targets are okay to kill and which aren't is not very uh, transparent. I want to read a little bit about the his usage his usage specifically of drones um, from an article called "From Desert Storm to Salamani: How the U.S. Dro- How U.S. Drone Warfare Has Evolved." This is from Financial Times. Salamani was pretty all right. They they hit one truck. <laughs> yeah. Um, under 2008 to 2016 administration of Barack Obama, dro- drone strikes proliferated as a way of fighting counter a, a, a way of fighting the counterinsurgency in Iraq and Afghanistan without risking mer- military personnel on dangerous air missions. More recently, President Donald Trump has extended the use of drones beyond traditional conflict zones as the war on terror has broadened into Yemen and Somalia. The U.S. administration has shown itself willing to use the precise capability of drones to carry out assassinations. The escalatory nature of the attack on Soleimani, however, caught Washington's friends and foes by surprise and marks a new chapter in U.S. drone wars. Um, The section I really want to look at is Barack Obama's timeline. 2008 to 2016, a total of 563 strikes, largely by drones, are made in Pakistan, Somalia, and Yemen during Barack Obama's two terms in office, according to the Bureau of Investigative, Investigative Journalism. That compares to with 57 strikes under the previous Bush administration. This next number is not good. Between three, oh, we, I've got a whole article on this next number. Between 384 and 807 civilians are killed by strikes in those countries. It's a lot of variants. Yeah. How did they get there? That's a lot of damn variants. That's five hundred people. Oh, you okay, yeah, no, you can actually. <laughs> well, I guess that's what they what who you're including as a civilian, and there's going to be a lot of debate about that because there are so many people who like might lend aid or just be relatives and friendly. I would also argue that I'm I'm really glad that you said that because I would point to anybody that has a dispute with these numbers. Uh, I would point them to that um, article by I just said it a second ago, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. They actually have like it's a, it's a website that's set up by like 538 is where you can plug in the country and like you can plug different variables into the timeline and figure out how they get to that number. Um, because I actually I have another article that will. So argue- this is like a, this website that you're talking about. This group is this like a significantly better version of the archives of the library. Like when you're scrolling through all the different it, yeah, newspapers, it, it gives you different. Uh, like there are different like categories you can uh, use different like filters on it. I was playing around with it. Like, I'm not playing around. That sounds fucked up, given uh, the uh, context. Or I the wasn't going to go there until you imagine. said it. Yeah, that, that's fucked up. I but I mean I was clicking around on it to see like in what country, <laughs> how many injured people, how many, and like you can do like you can do age ranges and shit right um and it's see, not helping I'm, I'm telling you that it is a good source for seeing how they got to know, those but, two numbers but you set yourself up and then you're like but and you can type in age ranges <laughs> fair enough features. <laughs> don't listen fbi <laughs> 
I'm telling you this because the next article I'm, I'm sorry. that we're I'm going sorry. to read is about Let's children deaths. Let's get serious again. <laughs> um, Tiny graves. Right. When uh, this increased use of drone strikes attracts mounting criticism and uh, while this increased use of drone strikes attracts mounting criticism and results in accidental civilian casualties, the White House argues that drones are precision instruments that avoid collateral damage of aerial bombing campaigns. Um, Yeah. Debatable. So here's an article. Uh, entitled U.S. Airstrikes Killed at Least 22,000 Civilians Since 9-11. 20 years after terrorist attacks on New York City's World Trade Center of September 11, 2001, at least 22,000 civilians have been killed in U.S. airstrikes during the war on terror, mainly in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. The minimum estimates... The the minimum estimate counts around 11,500 civilian airstrike deaths in Iraq, 5,700 in Syria, and 4,800 in Afghanistan. Additional deaths occurred in Somalia, Yemen, Pakistan, and Libya. The maximum uh, estimate by UK NGO Air Air Wars, uh, which analyzed declared U.S. airstrikes since 2001, is more than twice as high, around 48,000. Uh, meanwhile, more than 7,000 U.S. service members and more than 8,000 contractors had died in post-9-11 wars as of July 2021, shortly before the U.S. ended its longest war, longest ever war in Afghanistan in August. As the world, as the world on this Saturday remembers almost 3,000 people killed in Afghanistan. Fuck that last line. Uh, while the civilian casualties have more obvious peaks in Iraq in 2003 and 2004 and in Syria between 2015 and 2019. The Afghanistan war saw fewer deaths per year on average, but killed between 100 and 550 Afghan civilians every year between 06 and 2019. No complete data for 2021 was available. Yeah, that seems like a lot of civilian deaths to be labeled acceptable. Between 100 and 500 a year. I don't think it's acceptable. I don't think it's acceptable at all, considering like that's that's a cross purposes. You're just creating more like, terrorists. You're creating more people who are going to go join and fight against we're you. We're all very well aware that war is messy, but that is man, ridiculous. Yeah, you shouldn't. You should. You should try harder not to kill that, civilians. I don't. I, here's yeah. Here's a 100 to 500 civilians a year is would be bad in World War Two. Which was a huge war that had way more countries involved and a much larger scale. Well, and also like the full decimation of cities. Yeah, with yeah, and nuclear bombs went off. Like, yeah, it seems like just kind of laziness, right? Like, it would have to. It seems like slightly lazy to have. Well, it seems like the math is off because it seems like I do agree. They probably saved countless American lives, troops, but like you have to. How many more innocent? civilians are you killing in these places if, if to save wanna, an American life? There's a math there that is going to yeah. Yeah. be really hard to and balance and after we, a while. If we want to talk about uh, the drone strikes in Syria, highly recommend that everybody goes and watches the documentary uh, The White Helmets. It's on Netflix, or it was a while ago anyway. It's a good one. Uh, it's about civilians that are medically trained and I don't even think they're paid just out of the goodness of their heart. Like they wear white, white heart hats and they charge head on into like fresh airstrikes, whether it be American drones or Soviet aircraft that have hit a building in Syria and they go try to save all the civilians that are affected. It's uh, it's disheartening. 
Yeah. You ever yeah. want to see the real shitty side of war? Here's here's a real shitty side of war. I have another article that is less. It's worse news than the last one we just referenced. Uh, this is from BBC. Afghanistan war. Twenty six thousand Afghan children uh, killed or maimed since two thousand and five. An average of five children have been killed or wounded every day for the past 14 years in war-torn Afghanistan. Say that again. A, an average of five children have been killed or wounded every day for the past 14 years in war-torn Afghanistan. <sighs> Data from the UN shows at least 26,025 children were killed or maimed from 2005 to 2019, said Save the Children. Save the Children is the uh, group that was mad when QAnon tried to steal that. Just oh. for people well, that are putting I mean, two things rightfully together. so. Yeah, yeah, because they're actually many, doing good work with that slogan. Yeah. How many freaking times is the far right gonna steal well, some, like a, a, a phrase and just turn it into something stupid and bad? The thing that they ruin, like, don't tread on me. They, they, they ruin Pepe the freaking frog, right? Yeah. <laughs> they ruin the OK symbol. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. Um. Yeah. They ruin Hawaiian shirts. I just they ruin, to... they ruin the freaking term patriot i just wanted to point it out because i know that as soon as i said save the when i read it the first time i was like i know who this is but yeah. I, I also know what you associate it with now so um the charity has urged donor nations to protect future afghan children ahead of key meeting in geneva violence has been rising in afghanistan amid stalled peace talks and u.s troop withdrawals. afghanistan is among 11 the 11 most dangerous nations in the world for children according to save the children 2019 it accounted for the greatest number of killing and maiming violations of all the global conflicts covered in the charity's report uh with 874 afghan children killed and 2275 maimed the report found that schools have routinely been attacked in the ongoing conflict that pits the afghan government uh, supported by the U.S. troops against the Taliban and other insurgents. Save the Children said that between 2017 and 2019, there were more than 300 attacks on schools. Man, if that was happening here, I just... I, I couldn't deal with it. No, and you know how many of us would be signed up to fight the people who were causing it and whichever, you know, who were as dropping a, the, pro the yeah. drones. You know? so why as, as a father, I couldn't deal with it at all. No. This is and, why war against an idea breeds more people buying into that idea because you're proving it right to some yeah. extent like to it's some extent it's become a, a self-fulfilling prophecy right trevor noah had a thing the, the fact that they can justify it to like to proving that they're right like it, it's not a hard, like it doesn't take much for him to like make that logical leap to where they're right and People will join in that. Yeah. Like, everybody is... Everybody has a grift that they're vulnerable to, and the grift over there would be uh, jihadism, and it is not super hard. It's not super hard to get him to believe in that grift. The um, Trevor Noah made a point that I thought he kind of summed up really well that like, well, it's just the idea. It, it, it makes complete sense. It's not even a great point. It's just obvious that if you're a person who's just hanging out doing your normal daily shit, you're playing hockey or whatever. And while you're playing hockey, a bomb drops on your house and you lose your family. You are not going to like, there's no explanation 
in the world that's going to be like, well, it was for a just cause. So <laughs> yeah. just like, so exactly. just don't hate us, you know? Yeah. Like, you are creating people. Nope. That, hate that person immediately. Yeah. Right. Like, and whether or not you have the means to revenge, or even if that's a thought, like, like you're going every, to hate that Everything person. else in my life doesn't matter. Right. At that not point. At all. Yeah. Yeah, because it's over. You have nothing. Like, everything it's, was just taken. It doesn't matter what poli- uh, geopolitical ideas every, every, and events e- led every, to it. Everything else in my life is a means to make my family better. So right. right. When, when the end is gone, the means change. Yeah. And that's unfortunately what we probably haven't done in most places where we've gone in the last 30 years. Is we probably haven't made the lives better of anybody who really lived there. Even if that's been our intention, and we have probably stopped some brutal dictators, but we've probably installed just as many as we fucking stopped at this point. We don't have a great track record of really interfering and improving the lives of people. I think you measure it on different scales, right? Right. We could make some aspects of Afghanistan better by building schools and, and doing certain things that help their economic situation, but... The flip side of that coin is that when you're bombing the hell out of people, but you're fucking missing to the extent that 26,000 kids are dying. Fucking kids, man. Like, if you took my kids away from me, that is that like the end changes. The means are fucking different. That is the most perfect way that you could have said that. Like, did you like and how many times? I mean, it's not hard to find on YouTube mothers crying to Allah with their dead children in their hand because a fucking drone shot bombed a hospital like you know like we we had people coming through our gate same situation yeah kids kids in hand seeking medical attention it's the hardest thing in the world to watch how would you not hate the person who did that and then once you rightfully do you have already you have already shot yourself in the foot, uh, like in the conquest against the idea, because yeah. you have perpetuated the idea, like because yep. you have made yourself hateable. Yeah, after one of the bigger battles that I was in the area for, uh, our local like little field hospital was the closest thing around for any sort of medical attention, uh, like civilian mothers and wives were looking for their husbands and or child. They'd come to our gate and try to ask if any of the casualties that came in were them. Quite often we had no idea of like telling them whether or not they were there or not. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, we got dead bodies, but, uh, don't know if it's yours. Yeah. It's a horrible thing. And it was especially bad under, Barack Obama, and that's that's the point that I'm trying. I'm not. He's not the only one. Like he's not the and only certainly, one. Trump, he didn't Trump start defi- the fucking war. No, and Trump definitely like the first drone that was fitted with like a gun in the Iraq War was in 2002, and uh, they used Would have been it. Would a missile, but yeah, yeah, it, it would. Yeah, it was a missile, um, and it missed its target. Like it, th- it, it, it <laughs> surprise, right? The the prototype goes. <laughs> But, yeah, you so, like, 2002, it was definitely early in the war. Bush used it a few times. The technology really, like, became more advanced under Barack Obama, so he used the hell out of it. Um, And I do think Barack Obama had a lot of good intentions for the war. 
but this is a massive fuck up, and, and, and I think the numbers probably, are higher on his end. I think he was probably sold it by generals too, who told like whose whose job is to protect their troops, and and to them they look at it as like, look, why don't we use the robots? That it doesn't matter if they get shot down. Man, it, Our, it, my it, troops aren't dying. It does not take much to miss as far as like, right. mathematical co- calculations go on long distances. So, like for instance, when we first got there, we were using laser guided bombs. Like somebody, somebody on the ground had a little like headset that had an infrared laser that they would push a button and it'd shoot to where they were looking at, and that bomb was supposed to hit that laser. Well, it could miss by like eight football fields. Yeah, that's fucking. That's huge. <laughs> that's like, probably within the guy with the laser. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Quite often, it's like a danger close, but not really that close. Um, so then, like mortars, if you're off by a click, depending on how far you're shooting, that's also like eight football fields. Right. <laughs> I also think that it, there's a question of like, how many of these kids that were shot or civilians were accidental or. Like the government knew full well that there were people nearby, but like they deemed the target a threat, a, a big yeah. enough threat or a big enough get yeah, that they, like collateral damage was necessary. worth it, right? Yeah, that they have a looser definition of how many lives are, are willing to lose to get one bad guy than we would. Well, there's a lot of like just skirting the Geneva Convention anyway, because like you're not supposed to use 50 caliber ammunition on a human, but we did it a lot. Yeah, like the. 50 caliber machine gun, the M2, is, which has been in use since World War II, still mounting that on trucks. That thing will just... that th- Does that even leave pieces of a body left behind? Depends on where you hit them. Yeah, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... That I is like know. using fucking, like, anti-aircraft ammunition on a well, person. They also used a Mark 13 on yeah, people, too, which a Mark 13 is an automatic grenade launcher, so it's a 45 millimeter grenade or excuse me, forty million. It does 45, like forty million. Ju- Julian Assange's. I, it's something I've always remembered from uh, that two thousand six or eight, whenever two thousand six, um, ten or ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the clip I was the quote I was remember of him talking about those guys sounding like they were playing a video game mm-hmm. struck me because that is it, it is what they've turned. Yeah, you're painting Call of Duty well, like, right, right. Now. like that's so the, what I'm visualizing. Talking about Call of Duty, let's mention the AC one thirty gunship. That is a. C-130, the A in front of it uh, signif- uh, signifies attack, so it's an attack C-130. C-130s are cargo helicopter, or excuse me, cargo planes. It's the smallest cargo plane. Well, that might not be a truth. There might be something smaller that I've never seen, but it's a fairly small cargo plane for the Air Force. But the AC-130, they fit it with weaponry. So, like, there's a 20-millimeter minigun on it, and then there's a 40-millimeter uh, uh, gun on it and a 120 millimeter gun on it. So one, f- for example, 120 is the main gun of a tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is why so we're like, spending 300 million a fucking so, day. So yeah. this, is, this is a plane True. that tilts to like a 45 degree angle and 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 starts doing a circle pattern, which is called the death vortex, because anything down below on the ground. If it's an enemy, it's gonna die, like guaranteed. Like there's no way around it. There's three guns on it, yeah, in varying size. And I haven't seen one personally in use, but I've been close enough to hear it in use. And if that isn't the finger of God that we control, <laughs> like yeah. man, um, uh, Obama. I don't even know where the digression started to get to that, but man. 
Yeah, it's 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 it, a it started lot, a lot of firepower. It, it started to get there when George W. Bush and his cronies owned and worked for a bunch of oil companies and weapons manufacturers and like I mean, we built the. the I'm not saying that George Bush started the military industrial complex, but he fucking helped it. And oh, yeah. Well, like, and he he oh, surrounded yeah. himself with people who were profiting directly from it. Yeah, I mean, Lockheed not, Martin. I am not Martin positive banked. When, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Boeing banked. Yep. Um, I'm not positive when the AC-130 was made. I know it's an awesome weapon. Uh, another one that was a big friend of the army was the 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 A-10 Warthog, which it's and now old. I'm thinking Halo. It's very you say old. Warthog, and I'm thinking <laughs> well, Halo vehicle. It, it, it's a plane, and it's not it's not a jet. It's a plane because it has turbine engines instead of jet engines, uh, but it has a, a Vulcan cannon, which it's another form of a minigun. But the barrel is as long as the basement that we're in. Oh, God. <laughs> and there's Jesus. there, I think there's at least five of them in in this. It's a Gatling gun type thing where it goes in a circle, or what do you call a, a quote unquote minigun? Yeah, even though it's as long as this basement. Uh, yeah. It's a giant round that comes out of it, and that's considered anti-tank. We shot cars with that. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's... that gun is anti anything you pointed at. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no shit. But again, that that speaks to now. I understand where the digression was coming from. We were talking about the Geneva Convention, what you can and cannot shoot at a oh, person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got rid of those rules a long it's time gray. ago. Pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> um, so Barack Obama, not the only uh, the only president who uh, enjoys dropping bombs. We're gonna fast forward now to two thousand April thirteenth of two thousand seventeen, and we are going to have one of the first two uh, military strikes of the Trump administration. President Trump waving as he arrives in Florida after flexing military muscle overseas. U.S. forces dropping the so-called mother of all bombs, targeting terrorist tunnels in eastern Afghanistan. The GBU-43, more than 30 feet long, weighing more than 21,000 pounds, 11 tons of TNT explosive. This test video shows what it might have looked like. The commander-in-chief, comfortable, he says, delegating the decision-making to top military brass. Everybody knows exactly what happened, so, and what I do is I authorize my military. We have the greatest military in the world, and they've done a job as usual, so we have given them total authorization. U.S. military officials tell NBC News battlefield commanders made the decision on their own to drop the massive bomb, the first time it's been used in battle, pressuring ISIS as the president promised to do. Bomb the hell out of ISIS? I'm going to bomb the shit out of them. <laughs> See, uh, how is that not unbecoming of a president? It Come is on. 100%. Like, we, we, we know it is, but like it's, 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 it's the opinion of the people, and the people didn't care. That's the problem, uh, though. That that was that, that like bomb the shit out of them. One of the biggest problems with this entire war is the way that we allowed vengeance and like to become bloodlust. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, like that's yep. like we did. We forgot I remember, I remember that they're fucking. When he first people. dropped the Moab, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> uh, now it, there was no news that ever came out of any sort of civilian casualties or anything. So I was just like, yeah, whatever. But there was also no news that ever came out of any like actual confirmed number of 
Enemy casualties says uh, that um, the U.S. I'm sorry, the United States drops its most powerful non-nuclear bomb on suspected self-proclaimed is not Islamic State militants at a cave complex in eastern uh, Nagahar. Is that right? What? Is that not Nagahar province? Um, mm, yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. I, I've never read that before. Uh, the weapon, known at, colloquially as the mother of all bombs, comes as newly uh, elected President Donald Trump delegates decision-making authorities to commanders, including the possibility of adding several thousand troops to nearly 9,000 already developed there. Uh, the bombing casts a spotlight on the emergence of the Islamic State in Afghanistan. At the same time, the Taliban appears to be as strong as ever, and the U.S. military describes war as a stalemate. Uh, Kabul... Uh, We've known that. Uh, right. Kabul experiences suicide bombings on a scale never before seen, while the Taliban control or contest more than a third of the country. U.S. Marines are once again dispatched to the... I remember this Helmand, Helmand. I 100%. Uh, when when I like the whole unfolding of that year, I was like, yeah, I don't regret at all getting out of the military. Couple days after, uh, the mother of all bombs dropped. Donald Trump did what presidents have to do when they inherit a war, and he told us what his Afghanistan strategy was going to be bomb the shit out of him which was more or less that uh but here's like a small bit of i it's 2021 and i try to deal with trump as little as i possibly have to but because of the topic (laughs) i have to you decided to do this. i i understand that (laughs) here's a little bit of his strategy i concluded that the security threats we face in afghanistan and the broader region are immense Today, 20 U.S.-designated foreign terrorist organizations are active in Afghanistan and Pakistan, the highest concentration in any region anywhere in the world. For its part, Pakistan often gives safe haven to agents of chaos, violence, and terror. The threat is worse because Pakistan and India are two nuclear-armed states whose tense relations threaten to spiral into conflict, and that could happen. No one denies that we have inherited a challenging and troubling situation in Afghanistan and South Asia, but we do not have the luxury of going back in time and making different or better decisions. When I became president, I was given a bad and very complex hand. But I fully knew what I was getting into. Big and intricate problems. But one way or another, these problems will be solved. I'm a problem solver. And in the end, we will win. First of all, Donald Trump is about as good as read- at reading off a teleprompter as I am at reading out of these packets. <laughs> Um, so his plan, if I have to sum it up, is win. we're gonna we're, we're gonna win. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because yeah. I am now president. Said I'm a problem solver. Yeah, I mean, are you though? Because it really just like your track record says you're a problem mover. Here's the <laughs> thing: 
you like might the problem occurs you just move on to the you next buried thing. in lawsuits and walk away you might yeah. have listened to that clip and been like but brandon you said he was going to outline his strategy he just did <laughs> <laughs> that's the extent lest you forget that donald trump directly, doesn't ever say anything yeah, we, we directly all. after this he just went to his military advisor and said you heard what i said get it done right <laughs> oh, well we all should have seen this coming because i believe at this point in the trump presidency even early on we all knew that he had put uh jared kushner in in charge of solving the middle east peace problem yeah and uh that was just like not as, the as right we person. talked about <laughs> beforehand jared kushner reached out to adam neumann who look him up you'll have a lot of fun um <laughs> I, yeah, not sound, not a sound strategy. Like, and I, no. I agree that Trump, he was held, he was dealt a bad hand. Sure. So was yeah. So was like, Obama. Yeah, everybody after Bush and Cheney was dealt a bad hand. Yeah, when they it picked, comes to they the fucking East. picked up the bad hand and and put money on. Yeah, it. and I'm not even, I, I'm not even. The criticism I have for him is that there was no strategy in there, and nor in the rest of the speech is just like we're gonna win because, yeah. like. <laughs> I don't care. That's that is like the quintessential Trump. Um, You'll be tired of so much winning. Yeah, right. Um, so, like, but I'm not going to shit on him for his uh, Afghanistan strategy or that of the military or lack the thereof. Strategy. Yeah, you because like everybody is in the same boat. Obama is in the same boat. Trump is in the same boat. Biden is in the same boat when he gets there. Um, you know, uh, so Biden it, just finally had the balls to admit that we lost. Right. Yeah. Um, President Trump outlines his Afghanistan policy and address to troops in Arlington, Virginia, saying that uh, though his original instinct was to pull out, he will instead press ahead and open it with an open-ended military commitment to prevent the emergence of vacu- of a vacuum for terrorists. Differentiating his policy from Obama's, Trump says decisions about withdrawal will be based on, con- on quote, conditions on the ground rather than arbitrary timelines. He invites India to play a greater role in rebuilding Afghanistan while uh, castigating Pakistan for harboring insurgents. He also pledges... To loosen restrictions on combat, even as the United Nations reports an uptick in civilian casualties caused by Afghan and coalition airstrikes. A political settlement with the Taliban, Trump says, is far off. That is, that, that is in... Uh, no, it wasn't. That was, that was in July. Not for lack of trying. No. August of 2017. Might, might I remind everybody that... Are we going to get there? Are we going to say, are we gonna say the that name that of that his... Deal that he had with the Taliban. The name of his. Uh, Do we uh, mention it? I is don't. It, is I, it going to be in the third? You can. Should I just hold it off? No. Go, go ahead. ahead. All right. Fine. Go ahead. It's at it. The capitulation agreement. Oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, also free, of, of creative, guy, free, coming all, from a guy that would God. never admit that he was defeated. And, he uh, called, also coming he, from a guy he, that does not know what the word capitulation means no. or could spell it. Yeah, he didn't even capitulate from the election loss, and he's yeah, like, no shit. we're capitulating to the Taliban." It says so in the title. That was it's it's so it blows my mind that that's, that's what you, he named it. That's how you know he doesn't read because he didn't fucking name it. John Bolton named <laughs> that shit. <laughs> And he just fucking. It, 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 was, it was an enclosed manila folder. Yeah. The letters just it was fell like, out of his mustache. It, it was in an enclosed, like, three different layer like, manila folder, like a child trying like, to hide their porn collection yeah. from their mom. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna put it on we're gonna put it on his desk. We're gonna put a uh, twelve pack of diet coke 
and some Big Macs, and he's just going to like sign off on everything. Like, he's going to be watching fucking Brian Kill No shit. We'll tell him they're, they're his headshots from Home Alone 2 <laughs> for, his, for his fans. Oh, man. In January of 2018, the Taliban, the Taliban launches major attacks amid U.S. escalation. The Taliban carry out a series of bold terror attacks in Kabul uh, that killed more than 115 people amid a broader upsurge in violence. The attacks come as, pres- as the Trump administration implements its Afghanistan plan deploying troops across rural Afghanistan to advise Afghan brigades and launching airstrikes against opium labs to try to decimate the Taliban's finances. The administration also cuts off security assistance worth billions of dollars to Pakistan for what President, Tr- ca- uh, for what President Trump called, quote, lies and deceit, end quote, in harboring Taliban militants. Critics of the national unity government say domestic politics, notably a showdown with uh, provincial governor, have distracted President Ghani from security. Um, So so that was a little bit about uh, 2000. 18 in 2019 like a second ago we talked about how uh peace talks were far off that was in august of 2017 by february of 2019 uh the the u.s taliban peace talks would be back in progress the u.s and the taliban appear to be making progress toward a peace deal in afghanistan negotiators have agreed on a framework for a potential pact that could finally end the 17-year-long war. American officials say the Taliban has promised to prevent terror groups such as al-Qaeda from creating safe havens in Afghanistan. In exchange, the Taliban is demanding all foreign troops leave the country. So these are the terms of our peace deal here. Negotiations between the United States and the Taliban in Doha enter the highest levels yet, building on momentum that began in late 2018. The talks between U.S. Special Envoy uh, Zalmay Khalazad and Taliban official Khalizad. Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, uh, I'm so bad at names. Cannot wait to get to our next episode of just normal Americans. Don't don't look at me for pronunciation. Come on, you were there. Dude, I was there for specific specific years and, and like locations. I know some names. I know some locations. This is the thing, though. If I haven't heard it, it's like hockey player last names. If I haven't heard it pronounced by somebody that knows what they're talking about, All right. I don't know, man. <laughs> that's that's fair enough. But that's how I feel when you start talking about weapons. When you start talking about weapons, I'm like, there's letters and numbers. I have no idea what fucking calibers are fair and enough. shit. And fair then enough. I'm like, this is the one thing I need to lean on you for is the I, because I I fuck it up. I got like, you on like 20% of it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. You know the province. Right, you were there. It was down the street. <laughs> it was down the street. It was just over that mountain. Uh, it was where the, it's, it's it was like, where the Burger like, King used pe- to be, guys. People, <laughs> yeah. people not from St. Louis trying to pronounce Shoto Avenue. It's pronounced. It, it's spelt like Chateau. It, yeah. Nope, Shoto. Oh man, I hate that. It's, it's Chateau. It's, it's totally <laughs> yeah, Chateau. Yeah. All right, uh, Missouri. 
Let's see. The ramped <laughs> the the ramped up diplomacy follows signals that President Trump plans to pull out seven thousand troops, about half of the total U.S. deployment. Uh, Khalizad said United States will insist that the Taliban agree to participate in an intra-Afghan dialogue on the country's political structure as well as a ceasefire. It is unclear whether Trump will condition the troop withdrawal on those terms. So if he wanted to pull down to 7,000 troops, and that was about half, or that would be about half. So they were up to, they got back up to about 14,000 after Obama's 10,000. 10, 10,000, so, yeah. Yeah. So remember their kid, they kept flirting with whether we were going to add, they would add more, but they never wanted to add more than a couple thousand. Although Obama did pull out more than any other president Maybe yeah, other percentage than Biden. Well, yeah. yeah. Biden, I mean, even more than Biden. Yeah, he pulled true. out like well, seventy thousand troops. Like, or yeah, just you know, because when, when Bush Biden, was putting when them in Biden there, like took over, it was twenty four hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, the grand scheme of things, it's next to nothing. Naturally, after August, peace deals are far away. To January or February, peace deals are back on. What would like logically in the Bush or in the Trump administration, the only next move would be to cancel the deal, right? According to the president, they were the secret negotiations to happen today at Camp David with the Taliban just three days before the September 11th anniversary and only revealed when the president announced his decision to cancel the meeting via Twitter last night. His reason, an attack last Thursday near the U.S. Embassy in Kabul that killed 12, including a U.S. service member. What kind of people would kill so many in order to seemingly strengthen their bargaining position, the president wrote. Talks leading to this moment between the Trump administration and Taliban had been going on for months, and there were signs that a deal on a U.S. troop drawdown was imminent. The president is facing pushback on those drawdown plans from usually reliable allies like Lindsey Graham, and even his own national security advisor, John Bolton, was said to be opposed. After nearly two decades of war, there are about 14,000 Americans still serving in Afghanistan. Okay, so <sighs> of course we're going to cancel the deal. There's a lot to unpack there. There First is a all, lot. Calling the, Lindsey Graham like reliable is really weird. That's fair. Uh, it's not a typical adjective. Yeah, uh, he's reliable for about like a year at a time. And right, then it, it, and but, then you yeah, got to figure, and then you gotta figure reliability. out reliability. Yeah, and then you got to figure out who he's reliable to again, and then your definition has to change. Kind of yeah. like a used car; it's yeah, reliable for a year. Feel the feel the <laughs> wind. Another one. Uh, you fuck around and not buy that extended warranty if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> no one should buy the extended warranty on Lindsey Graham. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still running. So one of the one of the interesting uh, pieces of that is that. This happened on September seventh, two thousand nineteen. This was the the big deal. Yeah, like the, we didn't also, know that he invited them to meet I, on September eleventh at Camp David. This is why I missed the Trump he, years. He just so happened to cancel as everybody was freaking out about that information. Um, yeah, but not not because of the blowback, but oh, no, because of not. because, because the, they yeah, killed he, a service he member. Picked, he picked a random arbitrary attack and was like, "This is the well, reason I'm canceling." Two, right. th- two things. I love that they say that it was a secret negotiations uh, talked about on Twitter, which is just an oxymoron in, of a sentence. Yes, and then well, the other one. I is, mean, when you employ the people that you do, right? The other one in that clip they talked about, like Trump. Trump was quoted as saying, "Like, what kind of people would kill people in order to get, be, uh, get a bargaining chip in order to negotiate?" The United States. Pot That's actually how cattle. we negotiate. Yeah. We kill our enemies, <laughs> and then we bring them to a negotiation table Isn't, and say, like, hey, do you want the killing to stop? Or waterboard Negoti- them in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, the irony they, that he could type that out on Twitter and not be like, we do that, dude. Do you watch the news? Come hey, on. After killing Soleimani, 
the, like with a drone yeah. attack. Like, that was <laughs> earlier <laughs> that year. Yeah. Did you already forget? <laughs> like eight months ago, you, <laughs> you yeah. killed a general. In he his, just saw in a button Jeep. that said MOAB, and he was like, oh, I'm pressing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, like, I don't miss the Trump years at all. Um, <laughs> President Trump, this was on September 7th, uh, We're not that far removed. <laughs> President Trump abruptly breaks off peace talks the week after a top U.S. negotiator, Khalzad, uh, announced that the agreement had been reached in principle with Taliban leaders. In a week, it's that walk out of the room bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a tweet, Trump says he canceled a secret meeting with the Taliban and Afghan President Ghani at Camp David after a U.S. soldier was killed in a Taliban attack. The Taliban says it's committed to continuing no negotiations, but warns that the cancellation will cause an increase in the number of deaths. So, oh, like, surprise. Yeah. Um, so they're both assholes. Like, surprise, surprise. Well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, the, of course. Um, but but they shouldn't be. Like, our guy should be on the better side of that. Should be. Um, so then in, uh, let's see, February of 2020 and i'll be meeting personally with taliban leaders in the not too distant future and we'll be very much hoping that they will be doing what they say they're going to be doing like how deals dumb back are on you? for reals this time how, guys how dumb are you well we hopefully they're going to be doing what they say they're going to be doing what since when I just think that that like to me the the most like ridiculous thing about Donald Trump is summed up in those last couple of like bits of the article and the uh, clips combined the timeline there that in uh I'm sorry February of 2019 peace talks are on in uh September peace talks are off in February of 2020 I'm going to meet with the Taliban. The peace talks are back on. So we're on like a six-month rotation here. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's it's like short, dealing with an short, abusive it, boyfriend. It, it's sort of God. It, <laughs> it's shorter than a Major League Baseball season. Yeah. 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 Good God. It is. Uh, yeah, it's shorter than an HBO season. <laughs> it's about the length of time it takes Brandon to get through a season of The Sopranos. No, <laughs> sure, shut up. I'm, on, I'm almost done with season two. That's not even true. Oh. It's been a week. You're, I'm just not going as fast as you want to talk to me about shit. Yeah. That, that's the problem. Keep almost you know, spoiling shit for you. Like it was almost an it was almost inevitable that at the end of this there was going to have to be some form of a negotiation with terrorists done. But right. like, or what we would consider terrorists because we paint so many people with that broad brush. With with, with the exchange of Bob Bergdahl, uh, that. Is where a lot. Oh, Trump right did that, didn't he? No, that no, was that Obama. Was Obama. Oh, was that Obama? Uh, right, a lot of right wingers were like, "Since when do we negotiate with terrorists?" And then, like, they said nothing about who Trump was it that Trump... meeting Trump meeting with the leaders of the terrorist organization. <laughs> yeah, like Obama didn't really meet with anybody for the the exchange of Bo Bergdahl. He just fuck Obama didn't meet with McChrystal. Or, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, according that, to Rolling Stone, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that was a telephone call. From not him, uh, same difference with with the exchange Biden. of Bergdahl. He got Biden and he was pissed. But like, man, let let's try to let's try to just look at this rationally. Fuck, nope, not gonna happen. No, nope. I can say it's, this. 
nobody's gonna listen. What the, they're gonna I, they're gonna call me a cuck. The, the <laughs> irony though, because we were also in, engrossed in the Trump years and everything else that was going on. That kind of like Afghanistan, which has just been going for so many years in the background, kind of fell by the wayside. But if you look at it from Afghanistan's point of view of Bush getting uh, bringing the United States into the, their country, Obama <laughs> trying to fix it, dealing with a bunch of fucking fallout and problems, and um, people not working with him who used to, and uh, his own generals. And then like just when he's getting the troops withdrawn, it, it looks like the United States is getting ready to get out of the country. Trump gets in office. Well, and ISIS. And just starts, and, ISIS yeah, well, I, yeah ISIS like, happens. We, like, so much shit. Like, yeah. But to end it on Trump, there is an argument. Is, even I would make the argument that when I, when ISIS was going like when ISIS was like on fire, when that shit was happening in Iraq and Syria, like after the Syrian war, civil war had been going on right. for a little bit, Philippines, and like, et cetera, et cetera. I would argue that Obama didn't have a fucking choice. Like even after the promises of withdrawing, like whatever. Once ISIS became what it was at its peak oh, yeah, you have you have there's no way that like we're at war now it's, with that. it's yeah. arguable to say that if if obama would have left afghanistan during the isis heyday that it would have been an isis country it's probably a fair yeah. assumption oh yeah yeah and yeah, then definitely. like that's that's worse than taliban rule oh yeah oh like, yeah arguably while while taliban does sharia law they're not like super over-the-top militant Sharia law like ISIS is. Well, no, and I think you, if, I don't know if the Taliban like, is going to stick to their word recently, but they seem uh, malleable to change over time. As, let, let me put this into, maybe like... Maybe more so. I don't know. Like, maybe American not. Christianity's perspective. Uh, ISIS is, like, militant Catholics, and then the Taliban is, like, Lutheranism. It, it's, it's Catholic light. <laughs> like, That's a deep cut. If, if they all had machine guns, yeah. Yeah. If this was the year fourteen hundred and we were burning Joan of Arc at the stake, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I see. Well, and I was even in, in that earlier piece that I had cut out of it. Um, but they had talked about how like ISIS was more. Even more so than like religion, it was more about region. Like they just wanted to establish. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, yeah, it, yeah, and that's a a little bit of a fallacy that I just had there. Like it, it, they were very regionalized. Like yeah. the, the ISIS in Iraq was very different from that in Syria, and extremely different from that in the Philippines, because people vary yeah, from right. location to location. Like culture is not the same. I've got a, one more clip, uh, and then we will end this part we will do it. i'm so glad because we like we're almost to episode three of this part three of this yep. um and then and and that's when i like that i almost have like prepped so Signific i'm excited this about is, that this is a significantly less fun star wars saga that yeah we no shit <laughs> um this so is like the prequels man this is, and it happened about the same time shit the prequels if it was real life and sucked a lot more naturally <laughs> after the on again off again relationship between the trump administration and the taliban and uh the, the, the idea of terrorism and negotiations and all of this shit um trump would go on to lose an election uh Trump, I don't know if you guys heard, but, like, he wasn't happy about that. 
at all. Um, <laughs> Still and, doesn't agree he actually lost. Yeah. Uh, and as recently as the today, the, as, yeah. as recently as the uh, the the anniversary, the twentieth anniversary of yeah. 9/11, oh, 9/11, he, 11, he, he walked into passed, yeah. he walked into FDNY's headquarters. It was like some people may have heard that I lost an election. I don't really think I did, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't happy about it. I this may be speculatory, but like we saw how like venomous and how like he tried to he was gonna totally stand by while his vice president got like lynched. Well, like no. Remember- and, well, we're, we're, and beforehand, he's like, "No, Mike, you can do this." And we all remember. Right. Like, let's go back to the beginning of this when when nine eleven happened. The start of this whole clusterfuck. Trump was in New York, and you remember what he said? I now have the tallest building in New York. Huh. Was that was his quote on the day. Like, so it's the idea what that he's douchebag. Yeah, yeah. How was that not pulled during the? election? Oh, it was, but it, it was. It got buried. It, it's oh. right around the time that grabbed it, by it, the it, pussy it, and everything it, else. It, it, it like nothing did it get, stuck to him. Did it get buried by but her emails? I, no, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so, on again, off again relationship. Trump loses an election. He's really butthurt about it. Maybe that goes into what we're about to hear. Maybe it doesn't. We can chat about it. President Trump ordering a drawdown of troops in Iraq and Afghanistan by January the 15th, just five days before he's set to leave office. The major military move comes as President Trump and his administration refuse to cooperate and coordinate with the Biden administration, the transition team. President-elect Biden receiving a national security briefing today, but not from the current government, not from the ones in charge, instead from former national security officials. President Trump's new acting defense secretary and national security advisor did not take questions from reporters after the troop announcement. Four years ago, President Trump ran on a promise to put a stop to America's endless wars. Today, it's just announced that the Pentagon President Trump is keeping that promise to the American people. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, they were not. They were not happy. About I mean, that. I neither forgot. was Shepard Smith. <laughs> How can you not take questions? That was actually a question that was probably asked at every interview or every press when, conference when of they the Trump administration. Because for months yeah, they didn't they even have them. Because they got that was the that was how they all ended. Like, why won't you answer or take questions? Yeah. Uh, on November 17, 2020, the acting U.S. Defense Secretary, Christopher C. Miller, announces plans to have the number of troops in Afghanistan to 2,500 by mid-January, days before President-elect Joe Biden will be inaugurated. Thousands of, those tr- thousands of troops had already been pulled out following an agreement with the Taliban in February, moving closer to fulfilling president trump's campaign promise to end the so-called forever wars the announcement comes as negotiations uh between the afghan government and the taliban are deadlocked and the militant group continues to launch deadly attacks nato security general i'm sorry nato secretary general jens stolenberg uh warns that drawing troops to withdrawing troops too early could allow afghanistan to become a haven for terrorists and the islamic state to rebuild its caliphate somebody said i don't know what happened nobody listened i don't know what happened to nato secretary generals but jens stolen stolenberg is not nearly as cool his name is jep the hoop sheffer (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) fair (laughs) um <laughs> the the proper nomenclature is not Jap. <laughs> it's probably yeah. There's two A's. Yeah, Jap. That's true. Um, yeah. So Donald Trump decides we're gonna withdraw, right? And the the the, the biggest thing that I think uh, 
it's five days before Biden's going to take office, right? So, like, Biden's going to walk in. You In the clip, we heard that, like, and we remember, too, it's not, it's fresh still, uh, how the there was no transition team. Yeah, like, they, they refused to talk. They refused to talk. Them. They weren't passing on power. To the point that past, like, people who were not in a position of power but were kind of in the know because they used to be were like, Right, intermediaries. So you, you can you can definitely make the argument here that Biden had no choice but to withdraw from Afghanistan because it was already happening. Well, I mean, he was he was going in with twenty five hundred right. troops, which is the least amount of troops we've had probably since right after nine eleven. I mean, right yeah. when, when, when when do we go into Afghanistan? Fuck yeah, I mean yeah, in, by in October, no, November, yeah. October that year. So yeah, like, I don't think we've been at, at that less. You know, especially Trump did it pretty quickly. Like his, I mean. Trump, Biden? No, I mean Trump. Like to get to go from like fourteen thousand to twenty five hundred. Oh, yeah. Like is a pretty big. Uh, you well, know, that's and Obama he, he, too. Like they all yeah, they did all their did, gra- like the, yeah. it, there was definitely a step down um, from like Obama obviously taken because there was the most there. Uh, I mean Obama ended a war, one yeah. of the two wars. Uh, yeah. So so here and here's the the ending elephant in the room. Uh, if Trump won. Would he have actually completely pulled out of Afghanistan? I doubt it. Or was it. this just like know. his turd that he's passing? I, I, it's almost impossible to predict with him because who knows? I, I he may have, but no, I don't know. I honestly come, I don't come know. September of this year, like so, come now of this year, would he have just been like, I don't agree anymore. The the the. The surrender to Taliban no. is no longer a thing. Probably because no. he would. And just then been in like, like February of next year, would he have been like, "Oh, we're <laughs> yeah. getting out of here." Again. <laughs> <laughs> the art of the deal. <laughs> yeah. Buy my book, guys. Keep fucking doing this for four years. <laughs> Pooping back and forth forever. Are we still waiting for his health care plan? <laughs> like, <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. We definitely cover. Can you imagine a lot. like actually yeah. working for that guy. No. Not in presidency, just like in corporation. No. So I would not. I could. I could not work for that guy. Like you're no. on a forever six month contingent contract. Yeah. I could not. I could never. I could never be a Michael Cohen or a fucking Anthony nope. Scaramucci, Giuliani, uh, no, or uh, I, Roger Stone. Could never do it. The Mooch is making a comeback. Did you guys notice? The Mooch is making a comeback. <laughs> is yeah. he on TV again? Oh, he's been on TV. Oh, yeah. I heard, oh god damn it. And he survived the he survived <laughs> the, the bullshit. The, the cocksucker gate. <laughs> yeah. He, like he totally did because he became Is that what he called the reporter? He, a cocksucker? Yeah. yeah. He became uh Mooch became like a CNN correspondent. At, at like highest standards in journalism, right there, guys. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> this is. They an can't apple. find anybody better than the mooch. It is ridiculous. Nineteen that, days is enough to give you a career but, now. But I think <laughs> not even nineteen. What is he? Nine days was he even in? Yeah, I don't. Jesus, I think it was Christ. nine. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, he I survived think that. Britney shit. Spears and that one guy were married longer than he was fucking. <laughs> that in one guy, Kevin Federline. Yeah, Kate Federline. <laughs> you just been Federline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will. We're gonna save our judgments again. We're gonna just do our judgments at the end of the. Our, get, our cast of character has grown though. We, we've got. Oh, yeah. We've thrown in Obama, uh, McChrystal, Trump now. Yeah. It's. Uh, oh man, Ray and McChrystal will be fun. We won't add as many characters in the ne- next episode, uh, but we're finally in the next step. In in part three, we're finally gonna f- finish this out. Um, 
and thank God too, because I know what episode we're doing right after that, and I'm ready to get to that because I'm done with this. <laughs> like, um, Ooh, good God, I am glad that we're doing it, and but and I feel like the only way to do it is to do the whole thing. Yeah, like I don't feel like because- there's so much of it you forget over the over two decades of your life because other shit is happening. I mean, in that time, we've all met each other. You've had both had kids. Yeah, you know, yeah, like true story. Yeah, it's a lot of life going you, on. You were there, like, yeah. yeah, like it's been a crazy two decades just to focus on, like, and that was always in the background. It was always playing away. It was yeah. always developments, yeah, and it was happening half so a world away. So easy to like just like shut the door on that part of my life for a while. Yeah, right. and it, like, even, I, didn't, I didn't think of like from whenever I got out until shit, what two, three weeks ago, I didn't really think about it. Right, and like, I can't on even. Purpose, I didn't think about it. Isn't that crazy though? Because like the people of Afghanistan can't not think. Oh, about absolutely. It. Well, and even like cause Jim can't like Jim can't. You can put it away for a little bit, but you were there, so you have memories. I have never been there. I can't. It's nothing but well, a, like like it's it, an idea in and my I, head I, yeah. that's never co- be, been concrete. I'd so. be lying if I said I'd never had like dreams or anything. It's not necessarily. I wouldn't call them nightmares, but it's like a lot of it is shit that never even happened, and it just kind of like pops in like my brain's fucking weird when i'm asleep i don't know (laughs) but i think that's true like it it's something that's always been happening in the background for us more some of us more so than others but for the people over there it's been happening for the last 20 years continuously and it's coming to an end and that's got to be scary because you don't really know what's coming next yeah I mean, you, you didn't know 20 years ago when it yeah. started what was going to happen, and now you're in the same boat. Like, I don't think it's like yeah. truly over, over either. Oh like, God, we're no. going to have special forces operations going on for a while. Yeah, I hope the fighting gets less severe at least, and like, there's some semblance of peace. Like, you think when they announced like an actual like legitimate like into the war, the CIA just laughed. <laughs> like you like, fucking like, think that yeah you simps well this like CIA- starts and ends to wars have ever mattered to the CSI- cia yeah like, the cia is always at war yeah like always so i don't know so we'll hold off on the rating but we will we'll do we'll probably have a decent portion of we'll be rating people for a while yeah. <laughs> on maybe even Kevin Federline as well. Uh, <laughs> so that uh, zero stars. So that'll bring oh. us. <laughs> He's a fraud. He is. Um, so that'll end this. Her episode. dad on the other hand is a fascist. Who? Britney Spears. Oh, dad. Fuck oh yeah. 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 That's, that's for sure. We can all maybe agree K- on that. Maybe K-Fed's dad too. We don't know. We don't I'm know. assuming based on who he is. <laughs> Probably. Uh, we'll be back, but before we go, Jim, can you please tell the listeners how they can find us? Absolutely. We have a Facebook page, and we can be found on Twitter at Real Un-American. Also, our personal accounts are UnAmericanB, at Fevered Heart, and at American Actual J. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. And frankly, can you please tell the listeners what they can do to support the show? Oh, you could uh, follow us. You could like, subscribe, share, and review. Uh, episodes are available weekly. And, of course, our bonus content is available over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unamerican. So please go check that out. And, as always, we appreciate any and all support thrown our way. Yes, we do very much. Thank you both. And thank you to our listeners. We will return next week. Uh, but before we go, our dishonorable mentions this week are... Guy Reschenlander of Pennsylvania. So it's I'm not it's not just Afghanistan names you have you probably say that guy's uh, name. Reschentler. Can, can I take a shot at that? Where's that one at? So it, you know uh, the guys that made Super Troopers. 
uh, Broken Lizard. Broken, oh, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the producing company that did Super Troopers. So they're all the same guys that are acting in it. Uh, so Jay Chandra Shekhar is one of the, the guys that I've seen, like, actually live stand-up comic afterwards. But, yeah. I didn't hear you. Rashenthaler. Chandra Rashenthaler. Rashenthaler, I think. I don't know. Rashenthaler? Uh, yeah. Of the guy persuasion. I want proper so, dues for yeah, these traders. Asians and South Asians have this funny thing when they come to America. They give their kids American names, or like they like to call Christian names, mm-hmm. so that it appeases us for some stupid reason. Like, just make us figure out what your kids' names are. We'll we'll yeah. learn it. Yeah, or we'll just or there's gonna, stupid as shit. Or there will be some dickhead racist that is just like, yeah. The <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Don't make me edit shit out. Like that's ridiculous. I'm uh, I'm saying what other people would say. That's fine. It's not my own. Uh, so that guy's name uh is from Pennsylvania, and he's actually okay. Anyway, uh, Tom Rice, South I Carolina. I spun that one. <laughs> yeah. Mike Rogers of Alabama, Hal Rogers of Kentucky, John Rose of Tennessee, Matt Rosendale of Montana, and David Rouser of North Con- North Connecticut, North Carolina. <laughs> Come on, man. This is this is a crash and burn end. This is ridiculous. I didn't much like the Afghanistan war. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Jesus. All right. So with that, uh, obviously, if you live in the state, you can just reread it if you want. No, I'm not. I don't care. They can they can rewind it if they want. That's, I don't need to fuck with this shit anymore tonight. Um, all right. So vote against those assholes. Uh, put them in a future unemployment line. That's the way we go out of the show, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks. Un American is a fever heart production. It is hosted by Brandon Condick, Franklin Everhart, and Jim Hillman. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. Contact us at unamericanpod at yahoo.com. And be sure to support us on Patreon for exclusive bonus content.